Courtside Indiana podcast brought to you by Box Out Sports. Box Out Sports is a leading online graphic solution giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes during a season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. Courtside Indiana podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. We would appreciate a rating as well as a review on either of those apps. Welcome to episode 86, 86 episodes, Courtside Indiana podcast. Jim Reamer joined as always by Zach. Zach, how was your week, man? Hey, uh, broken record here. Good week nice. of weather. Girls soccer, yeah. nice weather. Teaching soccer, COVID, nice yep. dodging COVID as you teach. Got it. Cool. Exactly. All right. That's the, that'll be our press release every week, and yep. we'll move on. Um, we uh, we both got to we both got to spend some time in the gym this week. Yeah. Nice. So we'll talk a little bit about Bosco Prep Prep School. We'll talk a little bit about them, Don Bosco Prep, as they are officially called. Uh, we are just for those that are listening. We are recording out of sequence. So there's about 90 minutes with me and Nick Baumgart that are going to come here at the end of this. And so there's going to be some things where we maybe reference something that's going to be talked about later. There'll be some things later that we <laughs> hold off, like we've already talked about who we're not going to talk about, <laughs> Nick and I, because I was saving some of it for you, Zach. Yeah. Uh, so there'll be some back and forth. So if you hear something that sounds like hey, we we're going to talk about that later or we haven't talked or we've already talked about it it's because we're recording out of sequence but um we are at uh, what time is it almost seven o'clock eastern time on uh monday night this will be published tuesday and zach is going to get us up to date on recruiting and we'll we'll get moving on uh, bosco we'll talk a little bit about uh get zach's uh, some input on the 2022 shooting guards yeah uh so we had three commitments Last, this last week, uh, I'll go through those last. Uh, we'll go through the offers first. Jaden Brewer, who was at Ben Davis and is now at a prep school, got an international, a Florida international offer. Logan Imes from Zionsville, he's a 2023. He got a Butler offer. Kamari Lands, who we've discussed a couple times now, uh, got an offer from Auburn. Christian Nunn, who is now at Crispus Attucks, got a Franklin offer. Billy Smith from Burbuff. Got a Lipscomb offer, and then Gabe Trevino from up here by me on East Side got a Defiance offer. That's in Ohio. The three commitments we had this week, uh, a couple of bigger ones that we were kind of waiting for, and then uh, one of those guys' teammates actually committed. Yeah. So we have Logan Gard from Central Noble. He's a pretty solid forward. He committed to Trine, and then his teammate Co- Connor Asijan, excuse me, who has been loving the process committed to Wisconsin. And then we had Jalen Jackson from over there in Fort Wayne's area as well at Northrop. Now his mom's the varsity coach for the women's team. Uh, he committed to UIC, Illinois, Chicago. Yeah. Oh yeah. Obviously a season and Jackson, the two big ones we we've talked about. I mean, I think we were, <laughs> we were first on the Jalen Jackson bandwagon, right? As far as yeah. he's I, definitely a D one guy. And, and I think it kind of played out that way. And, and, and the season thing, right. we, is he high major? Will he, would he attract high majors? I think that was sort of the question. It was became pretty obvious that he was going to be a mid-major. 
uh, felt really good about that as, as good as I did about Jalen being a, a D one guy, even though he was still, when we first started podcasting, just kind of pulling in some NAI offers. Um, but yeah, I think both kind of played out the way we thought. I, I still, I mean, the season will still have some challenges playing in the big 10. Um, but Nick and I talk a little bit later as we talk about the levels of some kids where um, I think a season's close enough in other categories that the fact that he's just a big time shooter, uh, you know, makes that the, you know, the big appeal and right. he will put in the work to improve himself. So um, guard, had you seen him play? Yeah. I saw him a couple times yeah. over the years, just by, just from catching Connor and his games. And then even with, yep. uh, with team focus, Yep, one of your guys, Casey's up here. Uh, I've seen him with them too. He's just solid, solid forward, really strong, uh, good under the basket and, he runs the floor well, so it's a good pickup for trying. He was really good in the fall league last fall, and, and he even actually shot the ball pretty well, too. So, I mean, from the, from out, like, with sure. some range. So, liked him a lot. Um, it's a good pickup for trying. I think Billy Smith continuing. He, he will continue to get those, you know, those good, solid D1 offers. Um, and I'm finally pulling. You know, Logan's, his shot, is streaky right now that's that's where he's at he's i think in all other ways i think he's going to play nicely at, at a high major level and i think he's a kid that look he's he's my favorite point guard of the kids i'm not coaching right now um he would uh he would make anybody's backcourt better no question about that and he is um and I, I tweeted something over the weekend. I said he may actually be a, a system guy. I and mean, he's on a he's a, played on a team this weekend. And it's not an AAU team. It's just a, a fall league deal. But he played on a team with a guy, a bunch of guys that really aren't that that don't shoot the ball that well. And playing against a team, playing against a team that's really athletic. And so watching him need extra dribbles to get downhill. And, and watching him really have to f- work on getting shots off was was a, a, g- a good thing to watch. It, it was good because he could still get it done. He didn't wasn't bothered by it. He wasn't it wasn't too fast for him. It wasn't, um, you know, but but there just wasn't as much space as there would be if he was playing with a legitimate big, you know, granted, they're playing against the defense. It's not, you know, tuned or, you know, there's no defensive concepts or anything like that. But sure. um Still, still good to watch him, and even as he struggled with his outside shot, which he did, you still see him making plays and, and making plays efficiently. Um, you know, I I think he's still a kid. He's not dynamic athletically. He's he's going to need other guys on the floor to to help create space to make him better. But then it's everything with him is he's got good physical size for the position. He's got good length, Definitely. and from the neck up, yeah, from the neck up, he's just as good as it gets. So. And you think he's a one at the next level? I definitely do. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Um, in in all ways that matter, he's a men- mentality wise. He's he's definitely a point guard. He's he can guard the position, and I, I think he will be a kid that his shot will definitely improve as he goes along. I mean, to say it's his weakest part of his offensive game is not to say that it's a weak part of his game. It's not. You have to guard him. He's he's good off the pass. I think just as he becomes better off the dribble, he's just going to make teams really try to make, you know, force teams to make decisions how they're going to guard him on ball screens. So 
anybody else you want to talk about um, before we uh, move on? I mean, I think Jalen's Jalen's commitment was kind of a surprise just because I thought yeah. he was more of a ball state, right state, maybe Purdue Fort Wayne guy. Uh, but I guess he had a really good relationship with UIC. So that's good for him. Well, and Yanklich is doing a great, great job there. I mean, that's just a different, different, um, I don't know. It's different direction they've gone coaching wise. I think they've tried to UIC in the past has always tried to hire that the guy that think can just recruit Chicago or, or whatever. And it's just not been great fits or it's not worked out. And, uh, you know, Yaklich, of course, has been in that area because he's been with a couple of programs in the Chicago area. Um, but he's I think he's going to be he's going to he's going to turn things around there a little bit or be, let them be a little bit more consistent. So, right. yep. um, but I mean, it's easier to say that about a guy, you know, you know, or a guy that I've interacted with. So or a couple of previous guys were just guys I didn't know much about. So um, other than it just seemed like they. Just it seemed like they, while Yakelich definitely has Chicago connections, it seemed like the other some of the other guys. That's why they were hired. That's like the only reason why they were hired. Right, right. Um, the um, hold on a second. I want to check real quick on who their. I sit there and say that, and I want to see who their guys were before that. I mean, like even, I mean Dildy, and I mean. Where's their where's their list at here? Hold on a second. Let's see if we can get it here real quick. I'm gonna be able to get it. Yeah, I mean guys like you know guys like McLean, uh, Steve when he was with Indiana, um, just you know just not. I know he had some head coaching experience before he came to Indiana, but it just seemed like they were. Um, plucking a name somebody from a big from a high major program and um you know of course tragedy howard moore all that situation before that i mean jimmy collins obviously had a really had a really good run but they were that was the mc those were the mcc days you know and and now their horizon league is a stronger league and and um you know there's just more expectations it's a it's a tougher league and at times they've been multi-bid leagues so those were I mean, you know, when Butler was really at at their peak in that conference, they were get, they they were getting three teams in, you know, so they were they were borderline, like almost as same level as you know Missouri Valley there for a stretch, uh, with primarily schools just being basketball schools. So, um, but you know, Luke comes in, um, he is definitely. You know, he's a guy that's got a little bit more, I don't know, energy behind him. And, um, you know, he still, he does have some definite high major, you know, high major assistant stretches. Uh, but he's also, he also has a, a really strong Chicago connection. So it's kind of a dual threat for him. Where in the past it's been, it's been one or the other and not both. So, all right, man. So we both were at Bosco this week. Yeah. <clears throat> you went Wednesday. I went up Saturday or I went up Friday. What did you see? Um, so Nick and I talked about this a little bit. And really this morning, I do radio every week in Bloomington. And these last few weeks, they keep asking, you know, like, what did you do over the weekend? Because I do it every Monday. 
I'm like, man, it's just taking, taking some time off, getting recharged for the season, you know, and they're making fun of me being boring. I mean, I'm doing it every week with Charlie Miller, of course, played at Indiana. And, you know, finally this week it was, I got in the gym. We got to talk, we got a chance to talk about players. We talked a lot about Bosco um, and my thoughts on, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to share them here, but we talked a little bit about that and, and, um, you know, just what my overall thoughts on the, the prep school scene was, we hadn't really touched on it on that podcast or that radio, but, but we did this week. And what, what did you think about what you saw up there from nothing else, just a player perspective. We can focus on the players if you want. Yeah. Um, I caught, I think the, the coach I know there, I, the AD actually is who I communicate a lot with at Bosco. Um, he just talked about the number of workouts they've been getting in. Uh, they try to do a good job of accommodating coaches that they know are going to be in the area. So they'll schedule different workouts at different times of the day for those coaches. Obviously we've seen a lot of action online, uh, Twitter wise, uh, with coaches being in attendance there and watching open gyms and practice type things. So uh, they're very accommodating. The facility seems nice. I didn't look for a weight room or look around or anything. Uh, but I know there's a weight room around there. Uh, they're, they're they have access to the, the new, the new stuff that's being built. Okay. The St. Francis, um, I, I'm, I'm probably getting that Franciscan health, uh, building that's being built right along interstate 65. So sure. that's going to be their primary practice location, especially okay. as they get into the season. Right. Um, I, yeah. They're right there. Were you in Crown the downtown right building? Now. Were you in downtown yep. Crown Point? Yeah. Yep. That's a nice place. It is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if you like old gyms, I mean, it's not old, like decrepit. It's old. I mean, it's just a, classics it's it's crown points original high school i think and it's their original gym and it's it's neat i mean it's neat i like old old right. gyms i yep same yeah so they ran through some drills and stuff at the beginning of of the workout and then they had the high school prep team playing against the postgrad prep team running some up and downs which was which was good to see it uh, good to see it it was very chippy as well uh, <laughs> got a little chippy. Yeah, got a little yeah, chippy when I was guys there, too. love battling each other. Those little younger kids like beating up on the big guys or the older guys and vice versa. So it, it was good to see. I mean, I, I could tell the guys were tired just because I think when I got there, because I got there for the night session, it, they had already gone, I think, twice that, that day, once in the morning and then a little bit at lunchtime and then came back for the nighttime. So I know they were tired and in the last few games were getting a little little shaky uh competition wise and guys were dying but uh, and i understand that so but but it was a good experience i liked being over there i'll probably try to get over again and and we'll go to know, games it was fun no question. yeah either together or separately but look we've both times we've had discussions about prep schools one we planned and one we just sort of happened in um and sort of organically you know dave maravella's called and 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 I think, you know, obviously we both have been very complimentary of their postgrad work. Uh, and, and I have no problems with postgrad prep schools. Um, my view on the, the undergrad stuff has is, is been very well expressed on here. On here as a whole, um, I don't think mo much or most of what comes through Indiana needs to worry about it. Um, I'm not exactly thinking that I'm changing my opinion on that anytime soon. Um, but it was still good to see them. Still good to see them play. It was still good to see that situation and, and see what it's about. And 
and, and try to pick up some positives on it and, and still see if it meshes with my, I wouldn't say negatives, but still meshes with my view that is it, is it necessary or not? Um, I mean, we could go down each player and, and sort of assess, was this a good idea? Was this, is, did this matter? I think that's the, I think for me, that's it. Did it really matter? I don't, and, and that, I don't really don't want to have that discussion. Um, I'm saying we could, but it's, it wouldn't be the right venue for it or the right time. It's right. obviously those families all make their individual decisions. And, and I don't think outside of a couple of kids, it's going to change their recruiting much. And you're not, and you're not being specific to to Don Bosco. Well, let's make that clear too. Oh you're yeah, that's. Oh yeah, any, definitely, definitely any, not specific to Don Bosco. No, right, no, no, right. no, no, no. Yeah, and and that's. Um, for I don't think prep schools change a kid's ceiling. Period. Post grad, undergrad, none of it. I do think it can change their floor. Now the the Don Bosco experience, the the prep school experience. I don't know. All prep schools have the same setup. I know they don't. Um, I know that, you know, when we've looked at some of the kids that have left Indiana to go to prep schools or left the high, you know, Indiana high schools to go to a prep school, you and I both, as we've researched some of these schools, have seen some pretty, pretty shaky academic situations, um, especially the ones that link up to colleges that are probably every bit as obscure as schools. Uh, Don Bosco doesn't appear to be doing that. They def they they are with an Indiana accredited high school, I believe. Um, I think they are also with an Illinois. There's two affiliations that they have, as as I understand it, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, but it's still a basketball priority experience, and there's nothing wrong with that from an individual level, as long as you have your academics in order, um, because. I, I doubt very much these guys are getting opportunity for a very diverse curriculum. And I mean, just the breadth of a curriculum, not culturally or anything like that. I'm talking about the cat, you know, the, the kinds, the variations of classes that you can get, especially at a big school. Now, some of those small school kids, maybe they don't have a whole lot of extra classes being taught at their school other than the, the, the core classes, you know, the basics, you know, um, but big school kids, you know, they, they're going to have more academic options and the better student you are, the more you're going to be able to get through your, what you need to graduate and what you need to be eligible as an athlete. Not always the same things, by the way. Um, and take other classes that I think either broaden your perspective before, you, you know, on life as you go into college or in some ways even whet your appetite for what you might want to do in college or, or use college to prepare yourself for after, after athletics. Um, but, you know, knowing some of the kids that are there, I, I would gather that most of them, if not all of them were good students going in. I mean, I know they, they feel like they are. Did you talk a little, any at all about the academics while you were there? I, I did not. I didn't get into no. that. No. <clears throat> and, and it's been weird because Dave has called me in the past and it's almost like he's defending prep schools as a whole. And, and I'm like, dude, that's not your job to do that. I'm not, I've, we've tried very hard not to blanket Bosco in, in with all that because the, I think the basketball side of it, they'll do really well. Right. Without question, the basketball side of it, they'll do really well. And um, 
they are lucky with this group. They've got guys that live pretty close, so they've not got to worry about lodging. They're not going to worry too much about food. And uh, we've had some guys in our program in the past, one from Louisville who graduated in 2017. And I keep, I got to look this up. I keep forgetting what prep school he went to in Vegas, but it was the, the, the big one, the, the, the famous one that um, their meal ticket was, you know, gift cards to, you know, fast food places and Applebee's. And, you know, that was their meal ticket. That was their meal plan. And, you know, so they're not getting, they're not getting nutrition. They're not getting, not that high school foods, nutritious or great for you, but, but it's not the things they promise, I guess is where I'm going with that. But, but when you, when you've got a kit of team full of guys that live locally, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, Mahoney, Vasco, those dudes are probably live 15 minutes away, you know, and Babuziak, not a whole lot further. Um, you know, Britt Harris, I don't know where he lives, but you know, if it's closer to Michigan city, okay, well maybe he has a drive, <laughs> but the rest of those undergrads are, you know, all those undergrads are pretty local. So, yep. Yep. Um, depending on traffic, sometimes that Valpo drives may be a pain in the butt, but, um, but that's, you know, those, those guys are local. So you know, the basketball side of it, they're going to, they're going to get figured out. I, I do agree that the competition they have, in their open gyms and, and their workouts are probably better than what a vast majority of high schools in Indiana can produce. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say you're going against top tier guys every time. I mean, those prep school, I mean, the, the post-grad guys, what I, I think I, I saw four guys there that I really liked from a, like, if you're looking at it from a division one perspective, I, I thought I saw four guys there. Um, I mean, I thought I think Harold Woods is in that discussion. I think Krishan Christmas is in that discussion. Uh, the kid from Champaign, or is it? Yeah, I think Champaign um, is in that discussion. And then the the, the kid from Milwaukee, um, who's the, the two kids, the out of state kids. I don't know their names. They they were told to me. They left my brain as quickly as they they entered them. So. You know, so th- that's good competition on a regular basis. And, and even if those undergrads go against each other, they're still deeper than most teams. So, I mean, from a basketball perspective, you know, you might get what you out, what you want out of it. Um, I wonder at that age, if some burnout doesn't set in, I wonder if that at that age or in that situation, if your role isn't what you thought it would be. Do you think you're wasting your time there? Um, but I, I don't think any of it changed my feeling that it doesn't change any of those kids ceiling. Um, but it could change their floor. And if that helps them get recruited, then I think you're going to find, you're going to find families that want to that want to take advantage of it if they, if they can, in this case, if they can also afford it. Um, but any, um, what did you, what did you think about the guys there? Did you see any, like, who do you think, did you think anybody there stood out to you that you hadn't, that looked a lot better to you than in the past? Um, I mean, my answer is yes, but yeah. I, yeah, I mean, curious. like, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, Plus, I it's your turn to talk. <laughs> I mean, I tweeted about one of the post-grad kids that I really thought had improved. 
and and I don't know if it was the high school maybe system that would hold him back and a lot of these cases it probably could be but but I thought Clayton Bubash for the the postgrad team was outstanding I mean he stuck out to me with all these other guys I mean along with other guys you mentioned from uh from Indiana, but he, he stuck out quite a bit to me. I mean, he expanded his game out to the perimeter yep. from, from high school uh, and like nothing against coach Hackett, but that's just not how he uses big guys in his system. So, so when you can do that for a guy like well, Boobash. And in fairness, I don't, we don't know that Boobash had that shot or exactly that too. I mean, you know, he, when he, when he was there, I mean, a lot of that, look, high school coaches have to win games, keep their jobs. Right. I, I tell my guys that all the time. I, I, any coach that talks to me about recruiting kids with our, like for our teams, I don't ever want our kids to go back to their school coach and tell them, well, my AAU coach lets me do this because the bottom line is, is that obviously I don't necessarily get everybody. I recruit, I get to recruit my own teams and I get to recruit the teams, the kids that fit the things we like to do. And, and if I lose a game or, or, we lose two games in a weekend or we, you know, I'm not looting. No one's, I'm not getting fired. You know, I'm not, it's just not happening to me. Someone, a family might be get frustrated and be able to quit, you know, on a dime. And that happens um, every now and then, but, but it's not, if I, if I lose, it's not taking food off my table. It's not, I don't have to worry about making a mortgage payment. I don't have to worry about gas in my car. It's, it's, it's a hobby level from that perspective. It's obviously, I pour a lot of time into it. I, I, I'm passionate about the teaching side of it. But school coaches, as, as passionate as they are about coaching and teaching, and, and some of them even about being school teachers, not all of them <laughs> dislike being a school teacher. Some of them enjoy it. But as, as much as they, um, as much as they enjoy that side of it, they have to win games to keep their job, you know, and it's not easy for a school coach too to, I mean, if they get fired, they don't lose their teaching job necessarily. So in some ways they don't lose the job that pays their bills, but it is that, you know, when you lose the job you're passionate about and you want to keep coaching, then you obviously start going and looking for other jobs. And sometimes coaches do this, do it just like college coaches. High school coaches will look for new jobs to try and stay one step ahead of the pop, you know, one step ahead of the posse. And it is um, just a different ball game altogether. And so a coach sometimes has to fit players into their system because if they constantly change their system year to year, then there is no continuity and they don't have a game. They may not have a game plan that fits um, that, that can win consistently. And it's it would hard to ever complain about or criticize Hackett for for fitting a kid in because as successful as they've been, um, certainly on their schedule, you know, and and you know they look. I've seen Boobash play before. I I had never seen him shoot from range, right? Like he did this past week. Um, now, a lot of his shots that he hit, he was wide open. You know, and there, you know, and there wasn't as competitive as it was. It's not like there's scheming, you know, there's not a lot of defensive scheming and things like that. And I, I do think it will help his floor. I think it will help him get recruited and, and be productive as a freshman, you know, somewhere. Um, but, 
to me, the most impressive kid on the postgrad group was the kid from Milwaukee, but I can't, I just don't know his name, but. Vinko. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Vinko. He was Polish. nice. Six, seven and skilled, very skilled. But yeah, I mean, Boobash looked good. He looked good. Um, it, it's funny. They, they, he could be a division two kid. I didn't know if he was better than his brother. Um, but he may not have to be. He still could be a kid that, you know, stretches out and maybe he's stronger. I don't know. Your brother Can't. did fine at Iowa, so. Very fine. Very, <laughs> very fine. Um, but, you know, that was that's the discussion. But, no, I, I thought the two kids that I'd noticed the most change in, and I, and I really meant the undergrad kids, but that's but that's fine. We're, we're Vasco, Caden Vasco, and, and Jack Mahoney. I thought those two kids – um, those two kids, um, Vasco, especially he, he probably won't be a point guard at, at, in college. He probably will be, he will be able to be a secondary ball handler, secondary playmaker and a shot maker. Um, but he was, he was pretty impressive in the open gym and, and Mahoney was battling those older kids and, and finishing with soft touch. And he was, he's the one kid. And again, I don't mean to sound critical, but he was the one kid I didn't get. And I'm not there ever other than a couple of games. And I'm not there every day for practice. I get that. He was a kid. I could just never figure out why he wasn't getting much traction at Lake Central. Right. Um, I know he's in a lot better shape now than what he was. And that could have definitely played a role. But um, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't sure why they couldn't figure out a way to make him productive player now you know does what what happens when bosco gets into their into their season and their schedule i don't know you know what happens if teams they play start scouting i don't know but he looked good friday against the older kids and i you know they think he looked better there than i had ever seen him play so yeah yeah i would agree he had some flashes when i was there too um he struggled a little on the defensive end a few times with a quicker guy uh taking it to him at the basket but yeah but other than that yeah his skill with the ball was was pretty good in a, uh, in a low post yeah. right right and i agree on vasco uh, he can get hot in a hurry he's just really solid on defense i like his length and i like his his the body his body the way it's taking shape um but yeah he's Cade well he's vasco. grown three inches since i've last seen him so okay that didn't hurt right right he was pretty gritty, strong too. Like I said, I mean, definitely not the kind, not not the player I saw play last season early with Lowell and right. Chris Manis. And of course, Babuziak was hurt, and and Tome yep. was hurt. Right. And if if nothing else, we'll touch more on Tome. Um, I know you've got to you've got to, you look at the clock because you've got to go, which is why we're recording out of sync out of sync today. But, um. What, what did you think of Britt Harris? That's a guy you'd seen a lot more than me leading into this. Um, I'm curious what you thought about him. Yeah. Um, so I saw him quite a bit last year, actually. Yep. Uh, and, and was following him quite a bit and trying to get his name out there the best I could. Uh, another kid, he's a combo guard, probably like Vasco. I mean, he'll probably be the point guard in, at college, depending on where he ends up. But, but he can shoot the ball. Um, great, great length too. He's got those long arms. 
uh, can handle it pretty well. Loves to get out in transition. Uh, he was one of the guys mixing it up, pl- just playing. One of the coaches said grimy. He was playing grimy out there, I don't know. <laughs> just on defense and getting in those big guys, the older guys' faces and stuff, and not backing down. So I mean, it, and then maybe that's something he had at Marquette Catholic in practice too, and I just didn't see it. But but I never saw anything like that when he was playing a game. Well, me, for me, it was Mahoney. He was the one getting, getting chippy. He was definitely getting chippy. So, um, and it, that was good to see because he's, he's just a big kid. He takes a lot of contact, but right, right. the Harris thing, you say he's a combo guard. I look at him maybe at that level is maybe a bit of a tweener. Yeah. And there's some nuanced differences between those two words, I guess. But, um, I, I I wonder, I worry about his, I worry about his size. I worry about his handle for the point position. I worry about his size for the two. That's my concern. I worry about his defense for the, for the one. I worry about his defense on either, at either position. Again, for the same point guard wise, you know, is he, is he going to be quick enough, strong enough to get through screens? Um, is he going to be big enough to guard twos, some smaller twos? Sure. Uh, maybe, you know, in the, in the horizon league Cleveland with Cleveland state, maybe that's not as big of a deal. If, if that's, you know, those are one of his two offers right now. Um, but I, I wonder to me, that's the, that's the one question I had was, was him. I, I really wanted to see Babusiak. Um, yeah, unfortunately didn't get a chance because we've been very high on him in the past. Um, and I, and I've not seen Britt play more than a couple times before getting a chance to see him Friday afternoon. So that may not be the best, the best evaluation, but that's just what I've seen um, just in my short time watching him play. But no, I I think it's, and I think it's good to evaluate these guys in full context. I I think they would be a very good team. um, I'd like to see them. I don't know that if teams would welcome it, I'd like to see him try to play. Uh, big schools in their area or, or big schools in Indianapolis area. Um, I know for a while, Lalu has tended to duck some of the, the bigger schools in the, in the metro area. Yeah. Um, but I know they did play Brownsburg when Thomas and the Pierce Thomas and those guys were sophomores. Um, but that was still a pretty inexperienced team that didn't have any shoot, any shooting. Uh, didn't have any shooting that year and um, you know, their size and, and length just wore on Brownsburg eventually. But, you know, I would like to see him play a Lawrence North, I'd like to see him play a Carmel, I'd like to see him play, you know, a Ben Davis when, you know, they had all those pieces and those are the kind of teams I'd like to see them play. And, and I don't know, maybe they tried and just have been told no. Yeah. But, I, I, looking at their schedule right now, I know they play Hammond central this year. So that'll, right. be, that'll be good against Jalen Washington. And they, they do play Gary 21st. I mean, just those are the only Indiana high they school play teams. They play Hammond Central or Gary West? Hammond Central. Sorry, I said the wrong, okay. I said the right name and the wrong. Well, I thought you were going to tell me. I thought you were going to tell me that Jalen Washington transferred to Hammond Central. So oh, No, sorry. That's my fault. No, back up on that one. Sorry. Okay, good. I just wanted to clarify that. So, <laughs> no, I, I think, look, from a the success of their post-grad stuff, we've talked about it a lot. So there's, I just have a general dislike for the undergrad stuff. And, and 
and I do, I do worry about the type of academic work they're going to get. Uh, I do think that they, I do think that any school that goes that route with basically virtual education is you're, you're going to have to get really good students. Um, and they have made a point to say that they didn't recruit these kids. They've made it a point to say these kids came to them. Um, I don't know that that necessarily matters. It might matter in terms of the quality of kids that you get. And if, and, and I say quality, I, I mean, from the standpoint of kids like that has to be, has to be right fit for that academic setting. If they care about it. I mean, I know, I mean, if the family cares about it that much, if they prioritize it, um, I guess I'm, I, I realize I'm old school, maybe in becoming a tradi- you know, or a traditionalist and maybe even borderline old school in that, um, you know, these guys have, that are really getting good, they have their own workout guys, you know, these guys, um, you know, they're coming from schools that practice, they're coming from schools that value playing. And, and I, I know maybe in those discussions in those hallways there, they, the, the, the guys running that program kind of disagree with that. Um, <laughs> kind of disagree with the, the level that they're, that these guys are receiving away from Bosco, but um, they, I know all the kids in here who they're a lot of these guys, I know who the, most of these kids are working out with down here and you can tell who's putting in the work and, and who's not. And I don't know that, I mean, going to Bosco isn't an elixir. Going to Bosco is you still got to work at it, right? Right. And I guess they do have more freedom that they can work at it. You know, like you're telling me, they they had a noon session. They had a morning session. I mean, that's hard to do in a traditional school. Um, but, you know, uh, Dave Maravella makes a good point. It's prep schools are becoming more prevalent. We've, we've talked about that. He and I have talked about that off the air. That's not exactly controversial by any means. Um, and it, it does appear to be more like some of this club setting that, you know, we see, you know, with Real Saint Real uh, Madrid coming over and starting a school in Salt Lake City, Real Salt Lake, where uh, Draven Gibbs is. Right. So if we start seeing some of that club stuff come over from that club setting, come over from Europe, you know, it'll really change the perception of what prep schools have been. And, and I, and I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm still wanting to see kids go to high school in Indiana and stay with their schools and, and, and grow and compete and, and get better there. So any other thoughts? Uh, I mean, I wish I would have been able to see Lincoln Tomei yeah. against those guys. I mean, he, I saw him play this summer for game he played really well he just keeps getting better every time i see him yeah uh, would have been good to see him but hopefully soon i was i, I did like brit i should say that i mean i liked harris but yeah. you know you can look you can if i tell you that i think brit harris is the division two kid that if to me that means he's really good right you know somebody in his corner may think that i don't that means i don't like him but um i really liked vasco i liked mahoney's development uh, and again, I'm just focusing on the undergrad kids. Um, I would, I really wanted to see Babuziak. Um, and like you said, Tomei too, because Vasco and Mahoney and Tomei have always been guys that have come down to the fall league. So, um, and they may come down. Sure. This group, <laughs> we'll see. They got one weekend. I know they can't play. 
but we're trying to see if it, if it works out logistically otherwise. So they may be playing down here and then we'll see. Um, oh, and Gillespie. Yeah. His body, his body is. Yeah. He's gotten bigger. <laughs> Definitely good, big, bigger body. And he's a kid too, that his position, what he'll be able to do in games is changing based on who, where he's playing, you right. know, and Andrean, he was basically attached to paint. Um, and while he did hit a couple of jump shots, again, he was wide open and he's, he's got a, he's got a good mechanics. I could see, I could see that being part of his game. It's still a pretty slow release though, but that's, you know, that's considering when we watched him play in Andrean, he never shot it, or at least never shot it in the two, two times I saw him play. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for him to, uh, you know, to be able to play in a situation where he can expand his game a little bit. So, yep, yep. Um, anyway. Um, all right, so Nick and I went and I are going to – people who listen to this, Nick and I have already recorded 90 minutes on shooting guards we think are a little under-recruited. And we did sort of go through the go through a, sort of a contrived list. I left a couple of names for you, okay. One of whom we've already talked about, um, and, and in some cases we just said, are they being recruited appropriately? Do we? What do we think? You know, the first one's Caden Vasco. We've already talked about him. Uh, he's got the one Missouri Kansas City offer. He's got the the Rollins offer. So there's a D one offer and a D two offer. After watching him play, I think he's a solid D1 kid. I think he's definitely um, – I think he definitely would be good in the Horizon League. I think he would be good in the Ohio Valley. Uh, what are your thoughts on him and, and where his recruiting is compared to what you think it is? Yeah, I mean, you just named him right there. I mean, that's those would be good spots for him for sure. I mean, he's athletic, so he can do some things that other guards can't really do, I mean, with his athleticism. And we talked about his length and his size being a – a positive for him. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's really improved and is right there. Like you're saying. Um, two guard. Yeah. I mean, he will do a lot of ball handling for Bosco. Yeah. I think ultimately he's best as a secondary ball handler, secondary playmaker. And, and I like his vision off the dribble. So I think he yeah, would definitely. be some of these kids we talked about, you know, they're not playmakers, though they can put the ball on the floor. Like Will Lovings Watt can drive and slash the score. Brandon Razor Moore for both those guys from Jeffersonville. We Nick and I have talked about them today in the earlier uh, about their ability to put the ball on the floor and get in the shots, but we don't think either one of those specifically are secondary playmakers. Where I do think Vasco is. Um, Carson Jenkins. One of your guys you like, you like him quite a bit. What, yeah. Where is his recruiting in relationship to what you think it should be? I mean, he's got the the D3 from Trine. He's got a few crossroads offers. I really like the Huntington one. And then I've obviously St. Francis there. And then he's got the D, D1 offer from Alabama A&M. Yep. I mean, if, if you're looking, if he's thinking I want level, obviously he's going to do the Alabama A&M offer. I know he's had some interest with some other people, uh, Nova Southeastern, um, Fairmont State, which is a D2, has also been involved a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to have options. I think it, it, he could be really good at, at NAIA. He could be good at D2 also. Uh, yeah. Not sure the D1. We talked a little bit about Britt Harris. I mean, if you're comparing him to Britt, <clears throat> Carson's probably is stronger 
he's probably got a little better outside shot right now too. Um, and, and if you're thinking about Britt's position, Carson probably handles the ball a little bit better, I would say. Yeah, he does. Well, then Britt, you think Carson handles it better than Britt? I think a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, Carson, I think, handled it this summer for Indy Heat when he was, when I watched them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I look, the game I saw when they played Riley, I mean, it just was up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. You know, and it was, there wasn't a lot of defense being played by anybody that game. It was fun to watch. <laughs> it was very fun to watch. Right. Especially with the talent those teams have of, of being able to put, you know, put points on the board. So um, that's the side of it I'd want to see with Jenkins is, is how is he on the defensive end? But I mean, offensively, he and Lambert both, and of course, Lambert obviously had some huge outings in the summer. Yep. yep. Um, but uh, yeah, Jenkins was a guy that I, I liked. I mean, I liked him a lot offensively, yep. defensively I, it was, were the questions for me. So um, and their teammate, Grant Brown, is a guy that you've talked about a lot. Um, got two offers from Adrian Man and Manchester. Is that is that about where you think or what do we? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he shoots it pretty well, but he's a little limited otherwise. Um, not quite as athletic as some other guys we've talked about. Plays hard. I'm not saying he doesn't play hard or anything, but I mean, he could. He, he's going to be a solid D3 player for one of those couple colleges or whoever else maybe gets an offer out to him i like the way he plays for sure and then um and then lincoln tome those i mean those were kind of the names we say we didn't this this next tier we didn't go down all of them but right we, we touched on some of the kids that like nick had already talked about in the past we touched on some of the guys that that i know we had seen a lot of in the fall league um Lincoln Ben Lincoln Tome is a guy that you've seen a lot just in general. And plus he's he's been one of the guys from Northwest Indiana that's come down in the fall league the last few years. I'm a little bummed out that he's that he's hurt. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's he's just a competitor. I mean, he's a gamer. He's gonna give you 110 both ends of the court all game. He hates losing. I mean, who doesn't? But he, and he wears it all on his sleeve. I mean he would be a really good NAI player. I feel like he would play, do a good, nice job in the crossroads league. He's the kind of guy like that. I feel like. Yeah. And we, he has no offers that we're reporting so right. far. Correct. Right. Anybody else up North? I mean, I, uh, I yeah, know we, I know it's primarily where you focus your viewing. Nick, Nick right. and I bounced around a little bit. And... Yeah. I mean, I like Ashton Johnson from Fort Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Nick actually mentioned him before we recorded, and I said, no, save that one just in case. Good, good, yeah. He's got great size. I love his size, his body type. His, it, but he's sneaky, quick, and athletic too. So so Ashton's a good dude that, that would be solid for a D3 or an NAIA school even too because uh, he can shoot at some. He played for Casey Adams as well. Yep. Um, Tyson Yates from Triton is solid. He's a smaller guard. He would be really good. Uh, D3 player. He can shoot lights out too. Um, and I think, is there one other one I'm going to mention? I was going to ask you maybe. That's fine. Um, oh, Isaiah Robinson. I was going to talk about him for a second. Oh, yeah. He's come around. He's got offers, so he's not not one of those guys we were kind of looking at, but 
but he's in that uh, D3 wheelhouse right now. He's got an NAI offer from Holy Cross also, high academic kid, so he's going to get money for that as well. Uh, it's probably why a lot of the D3s are on him, but but that would be a good level for him as D3, maybe NAI if he's going to the lower division NAI, but I really like the way his games come around this last summer as well. He's starting to shoot it a little bit better, which is really what he needed to work on too. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to ask you if you guys talked about Cam Hafner. We did. Yeah, we did. Um, in what way? I mean, we talked like he's going to be at Westfield. But then well, just his offers. He only had the two. I know it was kind of a hotter name during right. the school year last year, and he kind of, I don't know, fizzled out or. Uh, well, well, no, I, I think, look, we, we, we have, we will talk about Hafner later in the, the okay. podcast. Yep. I mean, we've obviously already talked about him, but in discussing him with you, you know, he's the one guy Westfield has that can, other than Braden, that can get a shot, you know? Um, and I, I tweeted over the weekend about their junior big man, their junior forward, um, um, <laughs> Alex Romack. I, it rolled right off my tongue earlier today, and now I've forgotten it. Alex Romack. Alex is going to make them a lot better because he's been that one. They, they've not had that reliable finisher, that reliable guy who can be in a ball screen game with, with Cam and with Braden. And I, I think he's going to make them a lot better. He's going to he's going to be an option for them and and a, and a consistent one that they've not had. I mean they they get some gritty cheap baskets from De Pasquale, uh, but you know he's six one six two center ish. You know Romac is legit six five long. Uh, it was really good uh, in the in the this over the weekend in this fall league that I watched and. And fall league is fall league, but there's still a lot of chaos and unstructured play. And and when you can look fluid doing that, especially playing a, as a rim run guy in, in ball screen action, um, I think you can handle it at a lot of different speeds. Um, not a lot of tagging of the role, man, going on, but but um, but I thought he looked good and he'll help. And that'll make Hafner better because now Hafner can be involved in ball screen action and and, but but Cam is the one guy besides Braden, the only other guy on their team who can really go get a basket. And I, I know in some of the bigger games, he's come up short and struggled. But I also think that those are games, too, where, like, I mean, it's primarily been Carmel. They've been able to match up with him, and they've been able to do some things with him um, that other teams struggle to do. And, and a lot of it is because, especially now, that 2023 class has three or four guys who can really guard. And it's just not going to be easy as much as I think Westfield might have enough to get over the top this time. Um, the, because Carmel's still going to have to find some identity behind, you know, replacing Waddell's scoring and Waddell's being, you know, being a big time threat. Um, defensively, or this will be the deepest team Carmel's had. And defensively, the guys, the, especially those juniors come in are, are really, are really good. So defensively, they're very, diligent on that end of the floor and definitely uh, you know are not going to be guys that that can't play because of the defensive end of the floor so right. uh, the two names that I said just to that I think we'll see a huge uptick in production from them this year be Amari Ferguson who was at Pike but has since transferred to Indy Met and then Josiah Kirk Williams from Lafayette Jeff those are the two kids that I think will see a huge jump in production and Kirk Williams, uh, you know, we talked in spring. I, I was surprised to look back, or in June, we we talked. I was surprised to look back 
at the uh, regional final game that he played against Carmel. I don't even remember who the heck he was. So Nick and I talked about that too. So now we've double dipped on those two dudes and we've double dipped a little bit on, um, on Hafner. So, so they get double talk this week. So nice. good for them. Anything else before we let you go? I know you're. Uh, yeah, I got to get out of here, but for the record, I'm a Josh Wack fan and a Colin Comer fan too. So there you go. We talked about guys Comer. offers. Good. Um, and you know what? In the whack deal, I, I should have had him at point guard. And that's, I'm a bad, I'm a bad Carmel Jeez. person because that's, I'm tight with his family. And I didn't even realize that he was in the shooting guard spot until you just said it. So, <laughs> yeah. And Josh Wackle, yeah, he's, he's one of the best defensive players in the state. So, yep. Definitely. I don't care any, I don't care if I am a homer on that. So, all right, man. Good talking. And uh, we're going to turn, we're going to take a quick break and, and when you come back, when you you'll hear uh, Nick Baumgart and me breaking down more of the 2022 shooting guards. Thanks, Zach. Thanks. All right, we're joined with uh, Nick Baumgart here from uh, Evansville. He's bombhoops.com. Anything else, Nick? You want to plug at the start that you do that we're really good at haikus. <laughs> Haikus, that's it. That's it. No. You know, you could get a uh I'm not gonna go there. It's a story about a kid I used to coach. So got a he got an A once in English class for because he I told him how to ride a haiku. So five seven five. Can't forget it. That's right. Um all right, we are we originally well, we're still gonna talk about uh, what twenty twenty two shooting guards who are under recruited. We're we're gonna keep that agenda. But then so last night going through uh, watching football, watching watching the Sunday night game between Baltimore and Kansas City, checking all my FanDuel stuff that I did during the day and and uh, always always glad to come out even when you you know when you bet when you bet uh, a day of football, a sport that I don't know a you great deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but get a note, get a text saying uh hey i think luke brown has left stetson and sure enough he has sure enough he's so we we had not seen that reported yet so we reported it last night that reportedly luke brown had it was no longer with stetson men's basketball and that he was no longer on the roster and then of course it's taken off on twitter today um lots of people typing breaking news lots of people acting like they broke the story and that's that's as far down the down that path I want to go, but set him straight. But last night, yeah, set him straight a little bit. But last night we went with Luke Brown was no longer. I mean, clearly it's I think it's been a while. I mean, and by a while, I mean a few days, uh, because he's no longer on the roster. I mean, they got that thing cleaned up pretty quickly. What do we know anything? We talked a little bit about before we hit record. So I know I'm asking you a question. I already I asked you 15 minutes ago, but but do we know anything about why he left or, or maybe where he's we, – I guess we can speculate on where he's going, but do we know anything about why he left? I mean, what I know about Luke Brown is he is salt of the earth, good as gold, nothing I would be willing to bet, you know. Uh, Uh-oh, your audio is out. Am I back? There you go. Go. Right. No, I don't think it was anything – you know, I just think that he didn't get to go down there and visit. COVID was going on. Right. He had a really good relationship with Donnie Jones. You know, they just, they um, had a very Christian relationship and they saw, I, 
And I just think that sometimes, you know, especially in that situation where you couldn't go visit, it was as good as, as it gets, right? Until you actually have to go there and then you're like, I hate this place. Well, here's the thing. So if it's too far from home, I get that. Okay. I mean, look, I, I've, the number of teams I've coached, I always tell our guys, if you're, if you're going to pick a school close to home because you want to be close to home, then you're picking it for the wrong reason. Um, if, if you pick a school because you want your parents to be close so they can go to games, that's a different story altogether. And, you know, e- each family's different in their ability to travel. And, and Luke's family should be, I, I know his dad a little bit, they should be able to get to games. I don't know why they couldn't have done sort of a cursory visit to, um, to Stetson. There, there would have been nothing that would have kept them from physically going down there to visit to see what it was like. I know campus wouldn't necessarily be representative. Maybe some of the other, and, and maybe they did go down there and they just are, you know, we just know that they didn't take a regular official or unofficial visit, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't drive down there. Yeah. And that's, and that's, yeah, I should probably, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm, no, I'm with you. Super, super, like, they you know, they got their stuff together. So, but if he, if he left for, I don't know, we, we once had a kid talk about, wow, we're going off the rails here, speculate, or saying that this is not speculation whatsoever, but, but you just sort of think of the things that would make a kid or compel a kid to leave early. I had a kid once that talked about transferring because his teammates, some of his teammates were smoking pot and he didn't think that was right. And, and he didn't want to be around it. And, and I told him, I don't know what college you're going to go to where you're going to have teammates who don't do that. I mean, is that fair? I mean, you, you've played at that level. Um, I mean, you certainly, you certainly played in college. I mean, yeah, you're sure. not, you're not going to avoid stuff like that. I mean, we're, I think, we're yeah. not, I we're not even saying that. that's, yeah, it's a big, it's a big part of the basketball culture. I mean, from, you know, I mean, that's well, a big part of college culture. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, it's, it's always going to be, I mean, you'd be hard pressed, you know, to find something like that. Look, I think maybe the situation it comes down to is really more about like, because things have changed, right. He can leave now and it's no sweat. He made a bad decision. Look, let's get it right. It's September still. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why he would have to sit out. I mean, it's one-time transfer. You can transfer. Well, so he's wasted and, his one-time transfer. Okay, get it. Go ahead, but but why waste a year of your life? Get it right. Whatever. They may they may come back and say something like, "Oh, now you have two two transfers." I mean, we don't we don't know what the is going to do. So go ahead and get it right. I'm okay with that. Um, well, that yeah, that part it, of it I don't. Yeah, that part maybe of it never, where maybe he wouldn't have left if things hadn't changed. That's all. Yeah, I don't the timing of it is just the weirdness of it. It's, yeah. you know, look, Nick or Nick, you're Nick. He's Luke. The reality of it is, is Luke is whether by his choice or, or people helping him make decisions has, has often chosen to be the big fish in the small pond. Um, and, you know, he did have some injuries through school that, that definitely impacted him through the summers, which where he did some team changing during, during AAU stuff. Um, and, you know, so he, but he has often decided to be, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to get 
the most playing time possible, the most touches possible, the most shots. That, none of that makes him – none of that is, is bad. That, that's just an observation. Um, it might be reflective on what type of um, – college you're looking for what type of it may even impact you know hell it's when it comes to post-college some guys it, it may come down to deciding where he what opportunities he chose he chooses to make professionally if those opportunities come his way i think um, it'll, i think it'll turn some people off which is not a big deal because he's so talented somebody's plenty of people will will see past it but i mean you know you know how coaches are they're always looking for some reason to exclude and Oh, I always, yeah, I tell our guys that all the time. They're always looking for a reason to make it a list shorter. The shorter list they have, the, the easier it is for them to make decisions. And So they'll and say moved around from, from, you know, from team to team, whatever. And, and that's the summer. And you know what? Nobody, you know, the people who hold him accountable for that are guys like me who coach in the summer. I didn't have his age group, so um, I, I never, it was never a position where he opted not to play for me. Um, you know, I did did hook him up. I did connect the family with a coach in his age group and they went a different direction, but, but at the same time, um, it's guys like that, you know, college coaches, sometimes some college coaches do care. Some college coaches don't, don't give a, a rats behind and, you know, they prove it by recruiting guys that go to, you know, three or four different high schools. And that's I why mean, I said give, he's so good that it, it won't matter, you know, and yeah, give, me, it doesn't matter if I had a good relationship with Luke and I felt like, you know, I could trust him. I'm like, Hey, are we in this and together? Him, you know, and in that context, give him credit. He stayed at Blackford, you know, where they haven't, where it's been 30 years since they won anything before him. And it's, it'll probably one in 79. Oh, in 79. It was one. Yeah. One. And they won one game, like in the previous three years or four years before he got there. But but even still, I mean, because Blackford had some good teams in the 70s, in the late 70s. And the only reason why I know that is because they fed into the Anderson Regional where Carmel would go. And otherwise, I would not have probably even known what Blackford was until I started going to games outside of Carmel's schedule when I was when I was a senior in high school or when I was a, uh, really just a freshman in college is when I started to go to like the 90, 95 games that I go to now. But, um, but someone said he was... I would take Luke and I would, I would take him to heartbeat and I would just, I would say, Hey, make us better, make us better. And Some have linked ball state to him. I think that's only because of proximity to home. I know ball state was obviously recruiting him um, when he, when before, you know, when he was in high school, um, you know, if he wants to stay close to home, that's a good, good situation. I know that a couple of schools, uh, more than a couple of schools have reached out to me to see if I had contact information from him and I don't. And, um, one school in particular who didn't, who, you know, have been, you know, their guys have been on staff there for a while. I'm like, shouldn't you already have his number? <laughs> you know, it's not like he's gotten better. You know, it's not like he's, um, anybody's seen him play since June. Um, you know, or, or I think he's laying low right now. You know, like I said, I, I reached out to him and yeah, you reached out to him. He, he hasn't gotten back to you. He's like one of the best, best people. He's such a good person. Like I really, yeah. I really liked meeting him. And so I just said, Hey, let, let's, you know, I'm, if you need something, let me know. But, um, you know, so I'm sure he's laying low, but these things happen. And, you know, that's why it's there for you to be able to go ahead and do it. It's better to do it now than, you know, you get into November or, or February or something like that. I mean, 
I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, look, college coaches are all going to have to adjust to the, the the transfer portal being what it is. And, and it's, it um, kind of sucks from my perspective because it hurts the recruiting of high school kids is, is what it does. And that's not, that's not an issue here, but it is college coaches are going to have to recalibrate what they think of kids who are on the move and, and how, um, and again, Luke didn't, Luke went to one high school. He, he could, although he could have gone to Brownsburg should have, I would argue should have gone to Brownsburg. Um, they would have been really good, huh? They would have been really good. He wouldn't have been the fourth leading scorer all time in Indiana, but Brownsburg would have contended for state championships. Definitely. Especially their final two years with, especially his junior year with the team they had, the, the size they had in 2020 to go along with Pierce and, and uh, Luke Lacey and um, a couple of the other really good athletic kids that they had that, um, you know, they just couldn't uh, stay healthy their senior year. Pierce was injured early and had a little bit of a COVID deal and Lacey's uh, Lacey was hurt a couple times. So, but yeah, their junior year, they definitely would have been a state championship contender at the four, a level. And, and, um, you know, they would have, um, they would have benefited. I think he would have benefited from playing for them on a recruiting base, on a recruiting side. Cause I think obviously lots of people were in to watch Pierce. I think uh, he probably would have, if he would have, uh, went to Brownsburg, I think he has a shot at going to Purdue or Indiana or something like that. I think so. You think this changes? I mean, I don't think this changes his ceiling. Um, and anybody that shoots it as well as him, you know, maybe he's got a fighting chance. I mean, maybe that's a discussion. Is it when you when you prove yourself in that indie market? You know, I mean, that's yeah, that's transferable, and it's just it's just really easy when you're at you know two fifty three hundred strength of schedule for people just to kind of in Blackford or which is actually yeah. Anyway, I mean, I you know I I always go back to when I coached Jason Holsinger from LaPel where at the time they were a one, a school and they were state champion and, and they were really good his sophomore, junior and senior years. And they finally got over the hump their senior year. And, and, you know, he went down to Evansville and, and had a really good career as an undersized point guard in the Missouri Valley at a time when the Valley was getting multiple bids. So that was effectively one of those in between mid high major leagues. What's that? No, he was a really easy. Like when you think of players all time at Evansville, I mean, Holsinger's pretty high up there. I mean, yeah. Other than other than they didn't player. win a lot when he was there, and he did have some defensive issues. If you know, if we're going to have an objective discussion about it, uh, trying to get Coach Simmons, who's now at, at East Illinois. Of course, Marty coached in the final two year. Coach Jay's final two years at Evansville. Uh, Coach Murfell was the one that recruited him to Evansville, and. You know, there were there were some defensive issues, not in terms of willingness, but just in terms of size and strength and getting through screens and and just, you know, the, the Valley at that time, especially was a very physical league. I mean, those were the the days when Southern Illinois was consistently ranked in the top 15 and, and you had Wichita State and, and Creighton was still part of that. And, and yeah. I think Creighton was just coming into it, weren't they? Now Creighton was in the league. I mean, you know, were they in there that early? My freshman year was was Kyle Corver's freshman year. Oh wow. Okay. So, so they were in the they were in the valley then yeah. too. They were in the valley since you know I don't want to say Evansville switched in probably '95. Okay. 
or maybe they've been in there forever and I'm just getting it confused with some yep. of the teams that are in there now. So like Loyola's in there. And, mm-hmm. um, Loyola was not in there when I played. No, yeah, no, I, yeah. No, I meant that's the part I was confusing it with was sure. maybe Creighton is always in there and I just, they, them moving out is, was the news. So um, you think he's a high, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that I, I look at him. I definitely think, he could play in the Valley. I definitely think that he would be really good in the Mac. I, I, I think he'd be outstanding in the Mac. Um, the Valley still is consistently a better league. Uh, although maybe the top couple teams. No, I, I, I still think the Valley is consistently a better league, even at top. Uh, the, the Mac well, gets watered down at the bottom because of football, but. No, no, no. I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that that, that would have been the move or that he would have had success at, at a high major level or anything like that. I'm just saying that I think that opportunity would have presented itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it maybe changes his AAU situation, his AAU setup. Like, you know. Eh, he had no, opportunities. Yeah, he, had, he had opportunities. He just turned them down. He went different directions, including playing up for secondary teams and things like that. He, well, on that perspective – he often the decision again, I don't know if it was him making the decision, his dad making the decision. Um, but he was also a kid that reclassed. He was a 2020 kid to begin with. So yep. he did play some of those 2020 teams he played on, he played on with friends and and that that's not to be overlooked. But but um yeah, he often chose to be the big the big fish in the small pond. And it wasn't for a lack of opportunity uh by any by any means. So well. um especially as he got into his, his high school especially got into high school and started to grow and then he started to catch up physically because he was a i think a late sometimes bloomer. It's, it's good to have somebody around you that doesn't necessarily see things like you you know it's yeah. going to tell you what they what they think you know and and isn't afraid of I and mean, i just think you know in the recruiting process is a really good time to have that you know to have somebody around like you know, and so that's what I always try to, you know, to anybody who, who wants to ask me, I always say, hey, I'll, I'll give you my opinion on, on it. Right. I don't care. You're probably you're not going to do it. Whatever I say, I I get it. I'm OK with that. But. <laughs> well, yeah, that that regard, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And I don't know. That's the. Yes. Right. No, I mean, exactly. I mean, how many times do I do that in my life? Right. I'm, but there's other but there's other people in this game, too, that that either have experience or claim they have the experience or, or, you know, to do it. And, and sometimes they just don't get it done. I mean, I think that's, that's not really how we could, we could do a whole separate podcast on that probably if we wanted to. So. On all the, all the BS, all the people. Well, some, I mean, they're well, people are well intentioned. I mean, I, I would gather most, the vast majority of guys, that, the vast majority of guys that do this stuff are, are well intentioned. So it's, it's Man. the um, it's just the know-how and the the ability to the ability to get people get people watching. So, I mean, we did not have a, as good of a summer as we had. We, you know, we didn't have a great experience from a coaching perspective as far as coaches watching us. But then, as I looked around at other places, nobody did really. Just and I, I count most of that to COVID and transfer portal. So. I mean, lots and lots of schools where we're just recruiting 2022 kids this year. So, um, how good? How that, good do you think? I know this is a little off subject. I'm just gonna ask one question. How do you go, good do you think Higgs is gonna be? Who? Higgs, 
Isaac? Yes. Um, well, I think he's got he, he's got to improve his ball handling um, from an overall perspective, just against pressure. Um, there's it looks loose. It's it is definitely loose. He is um, he he works his butt off defensively guarding the ball. He's he can he still struggles with with a lot of quickness, but then most people do. Um, but then off the ball is where he's – it's funny, off the ball is where he's he's fantastic as far as his instincts, as far as his anticipation and, and, and positioning. Um, then I watched him in June a little bit, and Coach Adams was <laughs> – Coach Adams was talking about how he wishes he – you know, wishes he stood up – you know, he was getting down in stance more when he's off the ball, and I watched him, and he, he does that. He was standing up a little bit. And I think a lot of that is because he was so so darn tired from having to do so much for them in June because uh, they had some new pieces that they didn't necessarily anticipate, right? They had a couple guys move in there they didn't um, that they didn't have last year. And uh, he um, – I asked him – I talked to him a little bit after the Charlie Hughes deal, and he's like, yeah, I, mean, I was exhausted. You know, in the summer when he's playing maybe – just over half a game or, you know, probably around 18 minutes a game, eh, probably a little bit more than that. But, but um, I mean, I rotate those three guys. They all get about 21 minutes a game if I really had to go back and look, but, but he's always down in stance. He's always, he's never in his If he is, I don't see it. Um, but his, <laughs> his anticipation off the ball is tremendous. And one of our best, one of our best shooters from a percentage perspective, just not, the high volume from the three-point line, as some of the other guys are. Um, in the early part of the year, we had a hard time getting him to sh- getting him to shoot from there because he he likes to get downhill and he likes to find people. So, I think he's going to be fabulous this year for riots. He's definitely going to put up some really good numbers. And I don't I don't think he'll be. I think he'll be a. I do think he'll be an efficient. Or he'll dag on it. I think he'll be efficient doing it. And because he's also a good free throw shooter, and he's going to spend a lot of time at the foul line this year. His athleticism is so. It's sneaky. When he's long, super long. I mean, he's like weirdly long. Like he's, he's, he's weirdly long. He's. I'll be anxious to see someday what his wingspan is. I mean, he's six one. He's probably got a six six wingspan. Right. Which you know. <laughs> That doesn't sound awful. That doesn't sound like, you know, six, six wingspan doesn't sound like massive, but it is when you're six, when you're six feet, six, one. So five is huge regardless. If you're six, one. Yeah. It's... Um, all right. Well, let's get back. Let's talk about shooting guards, 2022 shooting guards. We did this last week with point guards. I think last week we kind of focused on the guys that, that um, you sick. You all right. You got, just allergies, you know. Allergies, yeah. yeah, I mean, Evansville, you're you're gonna get a, you're gonna get some allergies. They got they're you're gonna pay to pay the price somehow. Here. They're the key, yeah. They're the key, that's they're the allergy here. capital of Indiana. Okay, all right. Um, last week we did point guards. I think last week we focused on guys that didn't have D one offers and felt that was a little too restricting. I think this yeah. week we're gonna and going forward we're gonna focus on guys that we feel that we might we feel might be a little under recruited. 
It got us in trouble too because we didn't mention some people, and then you know, people... I I didn't get who I nobody said anything to me. Yeah, exactly. They just give us the cold shoulder. Oh, I don't know. Try to reach well, out and call some of these people. Try to contact them. They won't. They won't answer. No, I'm just kidding. But no, down. we didn't miss a couple. JJ Loudon, but he's got two offers. You well, know. no, he's he's a shooting guard, so we didn't miss him. Oh. Uh, we got him. I got him here at the two. I, look, he, I got him here at the two. We're we'll going to talk. talk about JJ Loudon. We'll talk about it. His dad, John's my friend. You tell John, we, we, we got it taken care of. We're good. We, he's on here. Look at the list. And I sent you the list too. So look at the list I sent you. And that that's at least to the kids that, that we've got tiered in the top two levels. And then some of the names you read off beforehand. I don't think we're going to get too deep down this list, but um, as he goes and gets his phone. Um, How did you send it to me? Texted it. Okay. Just an image. Just open it up and keep it open there for a resource. Okay. Um, so if we start with just the uncommitted kids sort of toward our top tier, Ryan Conwell, I think we've, I think he's blown past the under-recruited part, right? He's he's squarely being recruited. He's he's in good shape. We don't have to worry about him. Yeah. The only thing I want to say about Ryan, his situation is like, it's just funny. Some of the narratives that certain publications create, like, oh my gosh, he's blowing up. Now I went and watched him a year ago at uh, the factory, right? Elon factory, right? And um, Tony's deal with prep ball stars. Ryan was out there, you know, um, Ryan's dunking the ball, shooting it. Like he shoots it now. I looked like he, I mean, he was, he's always been a really good player. He just never got the evaluation that. Well, yeah. And, but yeah, if we'd have had this, if we'd have done this, like we did this last year, Zach and I did, and I think you may have been on them as well. I can't remember if you did them with a, I mean, if we were doing this last year, well, 2021, we wouldn't have been doing it for 2022, but, but yeah, this, this time in what, February, if we'd have done this in February, he would have been probably the number one guy on this list because I've liked him. I have struggled with what position he is. And it is one of those guys where it doesn't matter because defensively he should be able to guard multiple positions. But I mean, he look, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 22 or 23 offers. I mean, I think that constitute blowing up, doesn't it? I mean, some of those early NAIA ones, um, yeah, you know, I mean, may may fall on deaf ears right now or deaf eyes. I like to say deaf eyes. It's kind the of point is that joke. it's not like he just suddenly hit the. He's been really good for a while, um, and maybe he maybe he improved. No, he improved. He his jump shot. I mean, just watching him in, in Pike system, like he sort of he sort of arrived his sophomore year where he was just this bulldog of a player. He was long. And, and Pike has struggled with shooting the last couple of years to where you can kind of pack it in on them. And, and um, if you can not turn the ball over, then you can, and you're, you know, and you can rebound with them, then you can beat them. And, you know, and I look at it again, I look at something like that from Carmel's perspective um, as well as just Pike's perspective, you know, Pike's situation overall in the Mick, 
you've got teams that are hard to turn over and you've got teams that can rebound with them. And if they're not going to be threats shooting the ball, then, then, you know, they're, you know, they're going to struggle in the mix. They're going to be one of the, one of the better teams in the state and still struggle in their conference. But Conwell of all that group has been the one whose outside shot has improved uh, tremendously. And he shot like 33, 34% last year. I mean, you know, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, you know, and he's, I don't I have the numbers from the summer, you know, and if you take away some of the stuff that, you know, maybe some bad possessions, maybe some end of the clock situations, you know, if you take some of that stuff away, he, the, that percentage probably goes up, especially the end of the clock stuff. Um, you know, if we ever get a shot clock, that'll be a stat on itself. If you can, you know, remove shots within the final three seconds of a clock, you know, what's the shooting percentage? Because at that point, you know, you're, you're taking whatever shot you're getting, you know, you can get, but it's not going to be good. No, not yeah, Not usually. I mean, um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to, I'm not knocking around at all. What I'm saying is that he's, that I feel like he's always been, you know, I get it. He's oh, shooting we, better, but had the coaches been able to get out last year, I think that, I, that. Absolutely. I agree with that. No, I agree. But I think his, his improved shooting has made this a lot easier for him. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, fair enough. And I guess that's, and no, I mean, I, it's proximity. I mean, I've seen him, I see him probably, you know, four or five times during the school year, just on proximity alone, just by going to mid games, um, watching his development. I've always liked him because I've always liked his versatility and I've always liked that he could handle the ball and he's just a big, strong, long, long athletic kid. And now he's a, now he can shoot. So, <coughs> Uh, Will Lovings Watts, he's Bradley, Kent State, Massachusetts, Murray State, Wichita State. I mean, that's a pretty good list, right? Is yeah. I mean, I know there was some talk early in his career about, you know, possibly Indiana looking at him, Louisville was looking at him. None of that stuff has materialized yet. Is he about right where he needs to be, or or do we think he's going to sneak in? I think somebody like Wichita State would be really good. Um, you know, it's going to be, a, again, it's going to be kind of a system. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not knocked down jump shots. He's, he, uh, yeah, he's not. Uh, to say, oh, hey, he's a straight shooting guard at the next level. He's going to be able to, you know, he's shot, you know, we don't know. But he's such a good he's athlete. Not, and he's not a playmaker. No, but he's. Neither him nor Razor Moore, who, we're, who we have, who we're going to talk about. Neither one of those are playmakers. They're both really good scorers off the dribble, but neither one of them are playmakers, right? Right. I mean, you know, they want to shoot the ball. Um, yeah. And with with Will, you know, he's a slasher. You know, somebody told me, I don't know, a year ago, they said, man, I would do anything to, to, to get him, at, you know, into some some pads because I really think he's a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he's he – he play, probably it. could play in the NFL. But, you know, as far as where his fit is and, you know, the – He's going to find the floor. He's going to find more success at, you know, on a level like the Missouri Valley, something like that. I mean, yeah. To me, I think he's a really good value at that level. That's what I, I was I was telling one of the coaches in that we were talking. Well, who's recruiting him? You know, I said, well, at that time it was just. You know, we had the Bradley offer early, didn't he? Yeah, right. I wish I I should probably list these stupid things in chronological order. 
I mean, I've got them on their profiles with like their dates and things like that, but I want to see real quick. I think Bradley was his first offer. Bradley was definitely his first offer July 15th, 2019. And then Wichita state came in and then he didn't get another offer for another year. Murray state was his next offer a year, a year and two weeks later. And then just in July, he picked up UMass and, and Kent state. So. You know, I mean, you never know what Indiana elite's influence is. I mean, they're just, they're so powerful. Well, I, I mean, they, I mean, he's, he's had the ability to get, he's had the ability to get seen. I mean, he's, you know, they, they didn't lack exposure, um, you know, especially playing with, uh, was it Mahaffey, the kid from Cincinnati yeah, yeah. Moeller? I mean, there he's he's gotten a chance to get exposure. I mean, look at it, look at what Asijin's doing. You know, as far as his recruiting this year. So, yeah, no, um, I mean, I, I really think it comes down to the shooting, the shooting piece. I mean, in, in basketball today, if you can't shoot the ball, and he's improved off the pass, but yeah, off the dribble is another deal. So, I'm, I'm talking about to be a, a high major shooting guard, right? Yeah, no, I agree. You. You can't be iffy going in. Like, you have to be really good in high school. It just takes years. It takes so much time. And it's just- well, that's the, you know, that's the mid-major mark there next to his name, the list that I sent you. And that's, yep. and that's why there's a plus next to Asijin's level because Asijin, who's committed to Wisconsin, is a high-major shooter, you know, and, and – a definite, in our opinion, a definite fit at the mid-major level, but he shoots the ball so well and is strong enough or it has the type of body that can put weight on, um, you know, to be able to handle the high-major rigors a little bit, and he's already a high-major shooter, you know? I mean, if somebody jumps up and takes Luke Brown, um, it's not going to be completely shocking. It, it may be – it won't be without, you know, concerns, but anyway – uh, JJ Loudon, we, we talked a little bit about Brandon Razor Moore. Uh, Loudon, who, you know, if there was really concern about us not talking about him last week <laughs> as, at the point guard spot, again, he's, he's kind of like, well, he's a Christmas addict now, but when he was at Pike, you know, he and, he and Conwell shared the ball with, with Devin Woods, who's a 2023 kid. All three of those guys would, could bring the ball up. Uh, Woods is more of the prototypical get downhill, uh, penetrate the fine people point guard. Uh, Loudon's more of the distributor. And there have been times where we've thought Loudon needs to be more aggressive. He's got two Division One offers from Kinesis and IUPUI. I mean, I think he needs to be more aggressive offensively, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, what's your, I mean, what's your value of him? What's your eval of him? Well, so, you know, he's about six, six, four, six, five. Once, you know, says he's six, five. So I don't know. Say six, five. I've just been getting a lot of, a lot of heat for the heights and stuff here lately. So I don't know, whatever. Six, four, six, five. Big <laughs> point guard. Put that stuff behind a paywall, man. You'd be good. You know, he wants to play, a, he wants to play the point. Yeah. And, you know, defensively, he's got a lot of really good experience playing playing defense. You know, in, in the MIC against you know some some really good players over the last 
two years, especially a year and a half ago. Well, he's a lockdown caliber defender. He's, yeah. he's that he's that going. He is. We could talk about Conwell being a good defender. I think Loudon is is no no knock on Conwell. I'm only comparing the two because they both were at Pike together. I mean, Loudon is noticeably better than most, <laughs> if not almost everyone in that class out of Indiana. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, a guy that's, that's a very lockdown defensive minded kind of a big lead guard yeah. who shot the ball well last year. I mean, he shot, I think he shot 37%, um, which, which I thought was a step forward. I thought it was a good, I mean, it's a good sign that he's, mm-hmm. he's able to knock that shot down, but yeah, of course. I mean, you're talking about a, a good athlete. Again, just being aggressive, right? Now, now, two years ago, he had an MCL issue. But just being aggressive and, like, dunking the basketball and stuff like that. Like, he's just a little – offensively, he's just a little, you know – defensively, he's got no problem bringing the smoke. But, like, he could be – yeah, I mean – and I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. No, I think it's not. It could be around – better players i think i think he'll be really good but definitely he could he could score uh, more if he wanted to i mean you know you any any team can use a guy that it, it's tougher these days for non-shooters uh, you know usually you could be a if you were an at you know if you were a target defensively they, they'd have to take you off the floor now sometimes if you're a non-shooter and that's and I think as JJ gets more confidence in his shot and is willing to put it up more, I mean that's it's not quite the Ben Simmons discussion. It's not Ben just, Simmons exactly, right? But it's but it's still, you know, he's just not as aggressive and and. But I, I think his he definitely improved off the pass. But as if he can be, look, I look at him. I don't know that I see him as a point in college. I get. I guess I could see him in a combo backcourt where it's somebody else's. Yeah. I could play, you know, a little bit. And he can guard it and he handles it well enough. He's just not a downhill guy. I don't, it, not yet at least. Right. I mean, have you, have you seen him play downhill a lot or am, am I just, do I just watch what happens at Pike and. No, I think he could play downhill more, especially being as big as he is, especially. At and I didn't summer. see him this summer. I admittedly did not see him this summer. I, I saw him play twice. Uh, I saw him in Louisville and I saw him in Indy once. But um, no, I mean he could. He could bully, kind of like uh, like a Ma Girard. You know, he, yeah. he a lot of times he'll, the- he'll just go and just and I don't say it in a bad way. It's a good way. He just will just go and just get the bucket because he can. Now just- that my vow, I've got an avow of him from in July second. At the, that pro player showcase at, at the factory and where it says he attacked more off the dribble than in the past. Uh, and I, my, I actually put, or maybe just more than during the school season, <laughs> you know? So I, I think I've compartmentalized my viewings of him based on school season versus summer and just haven't seen, just didn't get a chance to see him play much uh, this summer. And last summer, I don't even know what the heck happened last summer other than, I mean, it just is almost a race from my mind. I know we played in seven events, and and I know that EG10 had teams, but I don't know that we played the same events ever. It seemed like I mean, nobody really traveled. No, um, I think the – I don't know. Just the school thing wasn't any good. It wasn't – I mean, you know, it just wasn't 
whether it was, you know, uh, personalities on the team or whatever. Um, well, they just don't have any shoot. They don't have any shooting. They don't. I mean, as much as those two guys have improved, um, and Devin Woods is in the same boat. If Devin Woods is clean on a catch, he can shoot it. But, but you don't get clean that much in the mick, and and so you're going to have to be able to do things off the dribble, and you're going to have to be able to to come off screens and and hit shots, whether it's with the ball or without the ball coming off screens. And it's not the the strength set of any of those guys that that they have playing varsity. I mean, we're going to get down and talk about Omari Ferguson here later, who is also transferred away from Pike. Um, Poor coach Zitch, man. Well, but, you know, look, part of this is without shooting, you don't have the space to do the things that some of these guys are really darn good at, you know, and, you know, he lost Noah Gordon to Mount Vernon, the Mount Vernon down by you. Um, that was because of his, his Noah's father moved from Tennessee to the Evansville area. And, and Noah decided to go down. Noah, who had been living with his grandmother, decided to go down and live with his dad. So, you know, they, they lose a guy there. Um, two of their other bigs were, are really good football players. And neither one of those two guys were that skilled. Um, even though the one kid that played this year, uh, I'm going to have to check real quick on his name. I can't remember. Dobbins was the one that didn't play school ball this year. Um, I don't even have his name on here. Dag on it because he's going to play football. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, I'll find it here in a minute. But, you know, you look at um, – they just don't have, and their bigs, their bigs weren't skilled. So this past year, they had no shooters, and their bigs really weren't skilled. Especially, you know, losing Gordon, um, it's um, Dejon Pearson is the guy I'm thinking of, and even Kieran Montgomery. Montgomery and Dobbins were the two guys that I was thinking of, and um, Pearson got a lot of playing time. Montgomery started for them. He's going to be a football player in college. Um, the Pearson kid is another big body. I believe he plays football. Neither one of those guys are basketball skilled. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot of limitations. I mean, Edward Jones, uh, another kid that I think we both like, again, a non-shooter. Um, I mean, Conwell's their best shooter that they, that they play. And I, you know, you look at their JV team. He only shot 33, 34% last year. Yeah. And you look at their JV team and it's just the same thing. And I don't know, um, I don't know what the disconnect is there if they're not. Um, I mean, they've got that Fred Jones 360 shooting thing right in Pike Township. You know, you would think that a lot of those guys could figure out a way to, you know, get in there through Pike connections. But um, yeah, it's just been a, it's just been a, a mix of of good basketball players who. A lot of them are need need a lot more need more space to be as good as they are, and yeah, it's just not been there. Match up, you know. So, um, we talked a little bit about Razor Moore. He's where what level do you think? What level do you see him at? <laughs> so you know, this summer I watched him play Homestead, and he yeah, had some he was, really big he shots. Really, he was really you're right there at Carmel. He was really good that game. You know, and so I don't know, but um, you know, Evans like Evansville, Northern Kentucky, those are the two schools that have that are talking to him or yeah, have yeah. talked to him. I don't want to say that they're 
you know, and I know I talked to him this week and he's frustrated. And my message is, you know, just like be patient. Like it does you no good. I know this is just an old man talking here, but like really listen to my words. Like it does not help your game at all for you to think a second about the college stuff. Like it's just like one day you wake up and boom, 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 you know, three. And that's how it works. And it's worked like that every year. And so don't act like you know more than the people that have been through it. Kids, just turn your brain off and focus on on, on the basketball. But I know he's frustrated. And, uh, hey, he's got a chance to have a great year. They can make some noise. Um, that's where his, his focus should be because he's really talented. You know, the, the school game I went to, he did not start. Um, the um... – the that was early in the year and that that changed of course as the season progressed he he was a transfer up from jefferson town kentucky for those who don't really know or from different parts of indiana um he but then by by june he was just he was fabulous at charlie hughes he was more efficient with the ball he was hitting shots uh he was taking good shots or he was getting into good shots i should say and I, I mean, to me, it's a little bit of a different concept than just taking good shots. He was, he was able to get to places on the floor and, and get into a good shot. So, yep. um, I look at him as a low D one guy, maybe a division two guy. I don't know what, what value he is defensively just yet. Uh, you know, that's, um, he's need long. To, he is long. He needs to get stronger. Um, and he's got a frame, he's thin. I mean, he's, so it's going to be one of those deals where, you know, if he can, you know, people look at him and think they can put him, put on weight. I mean, I love his shot making. Um, you know, I, I think if you say a kid is a division two kid or a, a low D one guy, you still gotta be really good to be there. So, um, you gotta be really good to get into to the crossroads. League. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Zach, we, we hit that, we hit that note every time we talk about it, how good the Crossroads League is and and that we here in this state are, are from a basketball perspective, are pretty blessed at how competitive the non-D1 action is in the state. So the next two guys, Evansville dudes, man, Johnny Summers, Julian Norris, right up your alley. You want to – we talked a little bit – we've talked a little bit about Norris in the past because of his transferring to – whatever pop-up prep school there is in Missouri. Um, I'm sure I'm being overly harsh on that, but that's just how I feel about it. But him and, and Summers, where where do you see them? Who's, well, who's better? Who's better? Yeah, Julian, Julian would be – would get probably get the nod he, because Julian's a really good shooter. You know, Julian's a really good natural scorer. I'll tell you, uh, I've not seen the shooting. <laughs> huh? I've not seen the shooting. People tell me he's a really good shooter, and I've not seen it. No, he. I mean, yeah, I get it. I know what you're saying, but, you know, like I saw him, he, he kind of broke out. He had 27 against Gary West two years ago at Bossy. And that, um, yeah, I don't, you know, streaky shooter. So, there you go. I mean, it just depends what game you see. I, I could definitely see where, where you come away thinking, I don't know. I, but, um, you know, he was really good last year as a, as a distributor, as a playmaker, a lot better than I thought. Um, so, like, to me, 
he's more than just just the shooting part in college. I mean, I think he can he can you know really be a playmaker. You know, when he, his handle, I don't think is tight enough yet to be able to play point or anything like that. I, I just don't think he's a natural point guard, but but he could definitely play a little bit. Um, three level scorer. You know, he's he's Derek Dow's grandson, so bossy legend. <laughs> Um, that's how old we are that that's Derek Dow's grandson wow yeah yeah yep so I mean, you know I mean for he's, those who don't know Derek Dow is really good in the early 80s and he's probably he's probably still good when did he graduate from high school was he 83 was he oh now I'm young man you're really trying to make me old I mean um, I mean I graduated in 88 yeah I was just born in 80 so so you're looking at you're looking at a situation he like where he's three eighty four, yeah. He's five or six years older than me, and he's already got a grandkid who's in high school. Wow. Yeah. But you know, um, not not like a super uh, blow blow you away athlete. No, he's so, good. I mean, he's he's he's. Uh, so so he's got, but Norris has those offers. Summers has no offers. What's going on there? Are we missing offers on Summers, or he just doesn't have any? No, I mean I think Janai is, is honestly is, is is closer to like a you know USI. Um, you know he's right there on the on the cusp to kind of go yeah. both either way. And I just to me, you know, his athleticism has, has come a long way in the last year. Um, but to me, I'm open minded. And this was my message to to his head coach when they were, you know, he was discussing going up to elevation this year or standard Harrison. Yeah, and I said, bad idea. I said, well, look, well, the best thing that Janai can do for himself, and this is Julian at this point had moved on, maybe, maybe not. But I said, the best thing for him to do is stay put, win something. Right. This is your team this year. Go dominate the city. You know, um, you should be able to win something. You go win something, you win the sectional, you win the city, you know, whatever you do this year, you have a great opportunity to prove yourself as, as a division one player. Um, I, I just, I'm open-minded to it, you know, but I just need to see, I just, I need to see him. He came, he came a little ways last year, and that was my other message. Why would you leave Harrison and go to when, you know, you came basically from being off the radar to being a quasi-Division One player? You have a chance to be a Division One player. You know, go win something. You need to win something. Well, that elevation, situ- and that elevation situation d- didn't prove to help anybody last year, so. <sighs> Now I heard some wild stuff out. Now it's uh, um, yeah. we got a new regime this year, but I heard Up some there? wild stories about last year. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know that I trust that anymore. I don't know. But, I, I don't but, know who's there, but um, Jared Drake. I don't know who that is. But uh, no, no, no. He and so that was my message. My message was, you know, stay here. Um, this is your team. Why would you leave this? This is. You've been here for three years. You know, you've been working to get to this point. This is, this is your opportunity. Everybody needs an opportunity. We've all, we all needed opportunities in our life to be able to, right, to get to, to wherever we 
you got to take advantage of your opportunity when it, when it presents itself. And here's an opportunity for Janai. But, you know, 6'4", um, to me, he just, I don't know, I just, just, at a high level, he just hasn't done enough. You know, I watched him uh, at Dinos' uh, event up there in Indy. Yeah. Playing with, with, with Guy and um, George Hill. Uh, but, you know, he played like on their second or third team or something, you know, kind of their off team or something. As I understand it, I don't know. Oh, um, yeah, their second group. And so there's a reason for that. I, but I'm open-minded to it. You know, that's the thing. It's like I'm not opposed to it. But what people don't understand is, is just because you go to a Division One school, that's that's like one tenth of the of the whole thing. Now you've got to actually get off the bench and get into the game, and you got to be able to do well, and you got to be able to stay and stick. I, I know that as well as anybody. Okay, no matter how good you are going into it, nobody cares the Division One or this or what. Did you play? So you got to be right. able to get off the bench, and and so when I think about it, I don't know. We'll see, but it's just I just he need you know for me for with his skill set, I would like to see him be a little bit more of a knockdown shooter, maybe a little better handle. Uh, but you know, if you if you compare him to like a Gerard, right, he's going to IUPUI, right, and I watch them play at Charlie Hughes, we we're at Zionsville. And, you know, Mod had, he just has way with him. So that makes me think, like, maybe I'm right. I don't know. There's He's nothing stronger. wrong. Huh? He's stronger. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, okay. So, anyway, I'm open-minded to it. But there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, if you were to end up someplace like a Barry, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, that league. Well, that league, obviously the the – the, the was it the Florida Sun or whatever that league's called down there? They recruit Indiana religiously. I mean, all those most of those schools down there do. There's constantly kids going down from Indiana down there. But, but I mean, I get it. I you, you want to go Division One. You want to go Division One. You, you want to play basketball, get your school paid for, and be able yep. to be in a position when you're 40 that that you've you've not been paying on student loans forever, and you know, just get you ahead in life. Have you seen? Did you get a, get much of a chance to see Colin Comer play this? Yeah, with well, so Brian McIntosh and I are we're, we're sorry, Brian, I I outed you uh, as my friend, but we're so we're buddies, and he's a Greensburg guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He knows Comer really, really, really well. Absolutely. And he he tells me he's like he's got to get his ball handling. His ball handling's got to get better. Ball handling. Yeah. Colin Comer ball handling. So I don't know. Well, that's, I mean, look, Colin's never going to be a primary ball handler. I don't think he's ever going to be a playmaker. He's going to be a guy that he's going to be a guy that comes off screens and gets, you know, and gets shots and, and he'll be in, intelligent with the ball. He's not, he's just not going to be the guy that gets downhill and finds people. I mean, um, why not? I don't know that he's quick enough. I mean, I don't know. I think it's more of a confidence thing. I think once once you once you get your ball handling to a certain point, then you think you can handle it against anybody. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm all wet on that. But well, I'm talking like being able to get downhill, change directions in traffic, and 
you know, I don't, a lot of that stuff is, is, you know, a lot of that stuff is, um, you know, you look at what he does on their schedule and, and even some of the stuff, like even at the top 100, you know, where there's sure there might be guys out there individually who are defending, but there's no team defensive structure. Um, you know, the question is, is what, what does it look like at, you know, at the next level? It's not, I mean, that's not going to be his strength and that's not that it's not saying much. I mean, I'm, I think he's a good enough shooter. And I think if he can, if he can get a guy, the way I see that happening is he gets a guy off a screen and that the defender makes a bad read. And now he has an advantage and he can keep that guy at bay. Now he's got the ability to put the ball on the floor once or twice, get to the rim and finish. I think he can do that well enough. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that, that breaks down his defender uh, short of attacking closeouts. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and, and at that point you're thinking probably, you know, one dribble into a shot, two dribbles into a shot. Um, but, you know, I don't look at him as someone who's getting the paint to try to make that next or to consistently to create, you know, offense that way. But, um, you know, his brother's at Bellarmine and, and, it's it's um i do think he's a step below his older brother but again that still puts him at that d2 level and and i think he shoots it well enough and is smart enough and is and is we've we've got him still listed at six two he's probably closer to six four um you know he's definitely got the requisite size to play the two at, at, a, at a college level and um but he does. I don't have. We don't have him listed as any offers. We do we miss something there? I can't that remember. Right. Um, that sounds right. I think he had some, some interest, but nothing. Nothing's popped yet. No. And, and that'll change. I know he's got. I know he's got some NAI schools definitely looking at him because I've been privy to some conversations. So, um, anyone else? I know you got some other names. You want to talk about anybody? I mean, I know we're going to, I'm going to hit on Amari Ferguson here pretty soon. I want to give you a chance to introduce a name. We were going down a list that I supplied you. It doesn't have to be a Southern Indiana kid either. We, we skipped over Vasco and, and Carson Jenkins, you and I did, because we're recording out of sequence for those who are listening. We're recording out of sequence. So this will be the second part of the podcast. Uh, Zach. Uh, and I will have already talked about Caden and Carson, Caden Vasco and Carson Jenkins. Um, so that's the only reason why we moved past them. Anybody else um, strike your fancy or when we just go ahead and talk about Ferguson while you're looking. Um, Grant Brown. Yeah, I'm got, I'm going to guess Zach talked about him too okay well grant brown you know where did this advantage yeah where did this advantage because we are recording out of sequence so i'm pretty sure at this point we will have talked about grant brown holdman Uh, dodes that's my dude that's my guy from yeah knox (laughs) coach crabtree um we were on a staff together at princeton so really there you go my guys in north knox yeah now holdman's a really good player um, like he's kind of, he's not like above the rim kind of 
kind of cool, but he's like, he's a cool player to watch just, just because he's, he's, he's just got a way about him, you know, um, really good athlete on the ground. Not, you know, he's not just a high flyer, but the kid can play. You know, I don't know. He's a football guy. So he, he may end up, he's pretty good at football. Um, You know, Balen Graf. Balen Graf's a really good NAIA. Is he is he a two or is he a three? Do we we got him as more of a three? Yeah, I wondered about that. But I mean, he's he's a nice player. Uh, He's just he's not he's not the the quality of athlete. You know that you would look for to be able to to play like D two or something like that. I mean, but his his shooting is just not coming around. Correct. No, yeah, right. So he's developing. Um, so he's just pretty much to me a clear, clear an AIA kid. Yeah. Um, which again is nothing. I mean, you know, like I said, like there's like what almost five thousand kids that play basketball every year, and I want to say twenty six hundred, twenty eight hundred are seniors. So. What's your view? What, tell me a little bit. What do you think of Christian Nunn? Uh, you know, he was, he was again at, at he was really good at, at Charlie Hughes. Yeah. I mean, he was like the man, right? Trying to bull, yeah. He basically was trying to bully people and, and, you know, when it was working, it was looking good. And when it, when it didn't, it, it got a little sloppy, but I mean, he's, but what he's also has started to develop more of is a jump shot. He's no, got, He's got what Franklin Northwood, so he's got a Division two offer, and then he's got a couple of NAI offers, and then Franklin has stepped in uh, in case he really wants to stay close to home. But um, we're we're we'll level you see really good players. Who Trinity or Franklin? Franklin. No, but Franklin. all of them, all those NAI guys, they all they all get to offer a lot of really good players. But anyway. I, I think they've got to be more aggressive now with the, with the portal. I think they can, they can steal a couple of kids because of building relationships and, um, you know, if kids aren't made a priority at division one level, because colleges are recruiting transfers. I mean, we've, I know I've talked to a couple of mid-major or I just say division one head coaches who are only going to recruit the transfer portal or, or primarily recruit the transfer portal and maybe not recruit high school kids until the school season, like seniors, uh, just not even mess with it because they need guys that can, that can yeah, help them now. I mean, there's some guys that, you know, you talk to and they've got, they've got next year and they got to yeah. win next year. So they're like, yeah. Nick, like, like I'm, kids are not even going to be on campus. I could, I could be fired. So I could care less about it. fair enough. But if you have any time at all, I think, there's still a lot of value to be able if you invest in, in those, in the prep uh, recruiting, you know, you get your, your right guy. You you know, I would take that every day over, over a, a transfer that you're going to have for a year or two, but. Yeah. So Mario Ferguson, who I saw at length yesterday, where? Whenever I whenever I see him play, he's he gets a little bit more skilled each time out. He was a kid at Pike last year who's now transferred to Indianapolis Met, and I did not know that yesterday when I tweeted it. I did not was not aware of that, and somebody corrected me pretty quickly, which I I don't mind whatsoever. Um, 
and it's it's somebody that I know absolutely positively <laughs> reads all my tweets and somebody that listens to all these podcasts. So I appreciate I appreciated that. And Ferguson is is freakishly athletic. He yeah. is he's got good length. He's got a good body on him. Last year he was starting out at Pike on the JV team. And by Christmas, he was definitely more involved in the varsity. And by the by the by the time in the, the end of January came around, he was he was definitely productive at the varsity level. And and you know he's he's still inconsistent shooter. That's going to be a big deal for him because he's and he's not a good enough ball handler yet to think he's just going to be able to ISO some guy and 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 beat him. But what he is really good at. Well, the, the obvious is he's really good in transition. He's explosive. Um, he, he's a good defender. He's a plus defender. But in the half court, I love how well he moves without the basketball. And that is, um, you know, it was weird. You, you definitely see it when you into some fall league, when some st- stupid team in a fall league plays a zone. And he's hunting gaps and he's – He's sure with the ball when he catches it. He knows what his first move is going to be. He knows he's got to be really good in small spaces. Um, and, and he just was so good yesterday. And, and a lot of it was in transition. A lot of that is spectacular, and you're wooed by it. Um, I, but you see the intelligence that he plays with without the basketball, and you think that's that just translates to college. And all he just has to continue to do is jump shot looks better. It's still a, a catch-only jump shot. It's not something he's going to put up off the dribble yet. But, but you know, you you start to think that that's the worst part of his game. And you look at him and you don't – aren't completely concerned about his mechanics, which I'm not. Um, you know, you think this is a kid that I think some people – that this would be a kid where a post-grad year would really help him. Yeah. This would be one guy that I would be like, look, you need to go to a prep school for a fifth year. And, and I don't know what his academic situation is. If he's, I know a lot of times if kids are high academics, they don't want to do that. Um, but if, if he would be a kid that would greatly benefit going to a post-grad and he's just such a, such a hardworking kid and so super athletic. It's just hard not to like him. I'm going to really be interested to see what his, what his production is this year at Indy Met. Um, I don't know what they had coming back other than other than um, big fella that they've got the big junior. Um, but he's a kid that I think is going to have a really good senior year. and People are going to like completely not know who he is. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably and you're you're from the Indy area. You probably do know who he is, but not gonna be on the scouting report, but everybody else, I'm sure he is going to he's just going to pop and and kind of looking forward to seeing it. They're going to be I mean. might have to make a point to go watch them play this year so well Um, one we need to talk a little bit more about the postgrads another time because it's just the the stigma behind them in the midwest is just crazy so we'll have to talk about that sometime i don't think anybody you think you think the stigma extends to the postgrad guys well just like you said like about as far as if you're a good student you don't want to go why does that mean? Why does it matter? Like you, it, it could if you, it, it just depends on what you want to do academically. If you sometimes, if you want to, I mean, if you're going to apply for, it depends on where you want to get your master's. 
sometimes they'll want to know why you need an extra year. And if you're like, well, basketball, it just, it's, it's superficial perhaps, but that's the reality of it. Who, it just, who invented, who invented the system? Like who, who made this 18 at 18? Hey, I don't know. The people who, who and so my point is that there's scholarships. No biological, you know, well, no, the joke, the well, here's the joke. The joke is it's easier to, it's harder to get into an Ivy league than it is to graduate from an Ivy league. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, I think colleges, they have the right to be selective as to who gets in. They have the right to, to attach whatever criteria they want, as long as it's not like, you know, completely discriminatory. I just see but, a lot, a lot of cases, you know, because I see a lot of kids, right. We see a lot of kids. I don't think there's any athletic stigmatism toward doing that prep school. A lot of those kids are placed. Right. So a lot of those you're grad school anyway, if you don't want me get out of here. <laughs> well, no, most people don't go to grad school or they go to college. I don't think, do they? I don't. I mean, I would have never, I don't know, maybe. Um, um, anybody else you want to talk about before we get moving? I mean, we got, we got a little bit of time, you know, I mean, I still got, I still got a couple more names, but I, I want you to get a, get a guy out there. You want to talk about that you think is being a little under-recruited. Yeah, well, I think Jonah Lucas is being under-recruited. Um, yeah. You know, having a hard Harrison. time. With, yeah, I just having a hard time getting D3 schools to even, like, pick up traction on him. And, I mean, you're talking about a, a very efficient player. Yep. If you go back and look at how many shots he takes and how many points he scores, it's he's, he's an efficient player. And, you know, he's a kid that was kind of a little skinny – a uh, little under undersized and he's still not like super tall. He's still at six one or so, but, um, but I told him, I said, this was a year and a half ago. I said, you've got to be able to start dunking the basketball. Like if you want to get attention, if you want these coaches to pay attention, I need you to dunk the basketball. Uh, I want to say eight weeks later, 10 weeks later, you know, he sends me a video on Twitter and he's dunking a basketball. It's like awesome, you know? And, um, so I think that he's got some, there's some things that he's got that, that are impressive, you know, and I, and I'm thinking, you know, if I'm somebody who's taking over a program and I need to win, I'm looking for guys, coachable guys, guys that are going to run through the wall to be there. I think he's a kid that's like that. I think you can, you know, you can work with him. You can, you can watch film with him. You can show him different things. You can give him different things. And I think, you know, he's, he's not ever going to be your all big 10 player, but I think that, man, you're looking at a kid like as a junior and a senior is going to be a really good player because he's got a lot of the, the foundational things down now. Yeah. No, I, I've liked, I've liked the, the, the times I've watched him play at Harrison. He's, he's, he's been solid and he's not been, like you said, he's not been super aggressive trying to get shots. Um, be so so much more. They they really possess they they do control the basketball they they um they have their fair share of football players that are you know I mean obviously they're uh, Ben Henderson is their starting quarterback who's also you know shares point guard duties with with Jonah and you know they they rely heavily on controlling tempo because I don't think they have a lot of just basketball guys out there. Um, they, and that's, you know, they've got kids that grind and fight and battle and, and if they can keep it tight, they, they, you know, they can, they can beat teams up. And that's the couple times I've seen them play. You usually see them in their JC that 
holiday, that early season classic, that's usually the time I see them play because there's some Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games going on there. But, but um, yeah, I think I, I agree with you that he could be more more aggressive offensively. But the rest of his stuff, he's he's a really good floor leader. He's really he'll he'll make people better. So Richard Brooks, I don't know, man. He's a really good athlete. He shoots the ball really well. It's like why? I mean, well. We'll talk about him next week. That's the one I was telling you about. Oh yeah, so he's you got him as a wing. Okay, he'll be yeah. a three. Yeah, he'll be he'll be part of our discussion next week for yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Um, Kyle Thomas, you were wanting to talk about him, right? Well, I think he just went to Air Force. I got to get a hold of him. I'll send a text later. But yeah, I think he just went to Air Force last weekend. Yeah, he's got Division two offer from Cedarville. He's got IU South Bend. I I look at him as a I look at him squarely as a D two player. Um, yeah, Air Force is really likes him, so they had him out on an official. I think they, they may try to send him to like a prep their prep school out there for yeah. a year. That's Maybe a good deal. <laughs> Talk about well, that and that's a situation where they definitely favor their prep school. They they use their prep school, you as that's where Brady's at and in Hydebreeder. I, I don't know, I don't know where, yeah. Uh, was Hydebreeder actually or was he was he direct? Don't know. I have to check on that, but uh, Cam Hafner is another kid. Yep. You know, it's just kind of been a kind of been a funny, funny feeling to that whole thing, right? And then he got hurt this summer, and well, he's back at Westfield, so that's good. He's going to play the school season this year. There was some talk that he wasn't, um, but he's going to go through with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's just. Is what it is, and so. Well, look, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of those weird. Good. As much as he benefits from Braden playing with Braden Smith, and they're going to be good. I mean, they're going to be better this year than they were last year. Not and not just because of Braden and Cam's progressive in, improvement, but um, Alex Romack, their six five junior, was really good yesterday. And I know it's fall. I know it's a fall league, but amid the chaos and amid the the tempo of games like that, he looked fluid. He looked confident. He looked absolutely positively. I uh, like he belonged out there and, and, but what I like about Hafner, I mean, he can get his own shot he can go get it. He can go get a bucket for you. And there, there's going to be, there has to be some value in that, um, you know, in a system and look for as good as Westfield is and as good as Braden Smith is obviously everything begins with him. And there's, there's times where um, things have to develop through a progression of, of him not getting, you know, not getting what he, what they're looking for. Um, but, you know, outside of him and outside of him, Hafner's the only guy, the other guy they have who can go get a, go get a basket. Right. Everybody else is completely, even, even Romack, who, although who Romack really showed a lot of, he showed improved skill yesterday. Hafner's the only guy, other guy on their team who can go get a basket. And that's, that's hard to do on the schedule they play. And, you know, that's, you know, I look at him, I, I think definitely more NAI schools should be involved. And I, and I, I definitely think if you're a guy that needs a score, right, at the Division two level, he's, he could be somebody to take a look at. Yeah, I mean, dad played in the NBA, so. Yeah. I hated his dad when he was in high school. <laughs> he was a Noblesville guy. Couldn't, can't like those Noblesville guys. When, hold on a second. Someone's calling and it goes right to my Mac and then it screws up my. Bring them on. Bring them in. <laughs> no. 
I don't think she no. wants to do that. Um, a more, couple more names just before I get out, you know, before I uh, – Hagen Nepp at Bar Reeve. I think he's yeah, I do. You know what? I do have him at the three. I, it was Ethan Knapp. You said Hagen Knapp. I saw Ethan Knapp from screw the two up. I've got Knapp. I've got Knapp at the three. You want to save it till next week? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, you know, and then again, you know, I know you have this guy's at three, but I just want to, you know, Cole Harrett at yeah. Floyd Central, Hunter Johnson, uh, South Decatur. Yep. Lincoln Tomei. Yeah, he's hurt right now. He's at, and he's at Bosco. Okay, he's at Bosco. That's right. Yeah, that was the one thing. I didn't get to see him, so we went up there Friday. I went up there Friday. Zach went up there Wednesday. I went up there Friday and watched them work out, and Zach and I are going to talk about this. So if you want to come back, listen to the first 30 minutes of the podcast, Nick, to, uh, when we publish it tomorrow, you'll get to hear us talk about what we both saw at Bosco. Uh, Lincoln, Lincoln was not, and Landon Babuziak were the two kids that did not participate because they're both coming back from injury. Both should be ready to go by the time their seasons gets going officially, but but right now both are hurt. But, yeah, I like those names. Trey Miller, right, Newcastle. Yeah. He's a guy that doesn't have any reported offers yet. He needs to be recruited. I mean, the kid can flat out stroke it. Um, Jordan Turner's had some weird recruiting things going on with him. We're not going to – we've already gotten in. We've already talked about it in the past. Uh, Zach and I have, I don't want to rehash it now because a lot of it's not his fault. Um, although I would make sure that when you get offers from a school, you know who you're getting them from and you're, you know, you're doing your best to confirm who the heck you're talking to. Um, but he's a kid that's, that's ripe to have a big year for Ritter. Um, and then, um, you know, and Bobby one is a guy that I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do at Taylor. You know, his dad took the job there. Oh, yeah. Um, You're not a Kokomo anymore. You know, and look, you, we talked a little bit about, you know, doing it at, at a big school versus doing it at a small school. And, and you know, it's got to be tough in that environment, especially Kokomo. And, I mean, this is it's a very proud basketball community. Being, the, you know, your dad's the coach. I mean, you take a lot of, you know, you take a lot of heat for having a bad game. You take a lot of heat for having a good game that you lose. I mean, it's just – it's, you know, it's the nature of the beast in, in Indiana and it's, it's, um, you know, and I think him getting a chance to play at Taylor where he's, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Cause I think he's, he's an interesting, he's sort of a tweener guard or is he, but if he could play at a level where he's a combo guard, right. He's, then he's pretty valuable. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I just think athletically, that's the only thing holding back maybe a little bit. True through um anybody else not from northern indiana maybe throw out a couple other names that you think should be looked at and because i'm from sure Eric zach Carter. will get the your guy ryan cadell hey yeah buckets man ryan buckets ryan cadell is he the you best know, guard to play at evansville north in the last 23 years uh... <laughs> Maybe uh, when did you gra- you graduated ninety nine? Was he the is yeah. he the best guard to play at Evansville North since nineteen ninety six? No, no, okay, no. I mean, you know, there. No, but my apologies to Ryan and his family if they listen. We're not we're not a we're not a basketball tradition. I don't think anybody would confuse <laughs> him with that. But uh, so he's the uh, second best guard to come out of Evansville North since nineteen ninety 
Yeah, maybe a bad carpenter, couple couple bad carpenter handfuls, maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, one more name to look at. And I'm not going to be able to go down too deep into his game because I've just seen him twice. Is Josiah oh, Kirk yeah. Williams. Josiah Kirk Williams at Lafayette Jeff. Yeah, I just didn't shoot very well. Evidently, he was at Lafayette Jeff last year. Evidently, he played against Carmel in this in this in the regionals. Evidently, I don't remember who he is. And right. he was great in the uh Charlie Hughes classic or the Charlie Hughes invitational. He was he was really good. And Where's I is he at now? He's just still Lafayette Jeff. I, I just didn't know he played. I mean. Look, everything and I mean everything ran through freaking Barnheiser, which it should have. I mean, there's and you know the couple of the other seniors were were really effective and and I mean they gave Carmel everything. I mean, let's face it, Gary West took Carmel to overtime, but the Jeff game was was a scare. Um, and Kirk Williams and and then Javon Buchanan, who we'll get to. Uh, when we talk about bigs, both those guys were Buchanan moved in from Utah, even though he's from Lafayette, he moved out of state, moved back Utah or Arizona. Can't remember which one it was. He, um, both those guys were really good in June. So you're definitely going to see a lot of Josiah Kirk Williams this year. Um, unless something has changed and that's, I mean, I thought he was extremely good in June and you, you don't think he shoots it well enough. I, well, there's some reason for that. Um, he shot okay the game I saw, but yeah, I mean, I don't. That's just that's a small sample size, so I don't, I don't know. But I'm with you. I just wanted to throw that name out. I don't know that he's being under recruited. I don't know that he's being recruited at all. I just think that from a statistic, from a production standpoint, of all the guys we've talked about, him and and Omari Ferguson, who's now in, the one at Indy Met, I think those are going to be the two kids that make huge jumps statistically, and people are going to wonder where the heck, where the heck they came from. Yeah, no, uh, give me a second. I'm, I'm pulling it up here. You do that. I'm going to read our do our reads real quick since this is effectively the end of the podcast, or at least we'll be in order of recording. Box Out Sports is leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student-athletes this season. You can sign up for free demo at boxoutsports.com. And as Zach likes to say, that's not just for basketball. It's for any sport. And if you're running a program or you're the athletics director of a high school or, or any school, um, you know, even a middle school, it's a very effective way to produce some uh, high level content. Courtside Indiana podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You could subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet or desktop. We would appreciate a rating uh, and, and a review. And we definitely will welcome any content suggestions, even though we're getting close to season. And I think we got our calendar pretty well figured out. We'll still take suggestions on content on Twitter at courtside IND. That's at courtside IND. All right, Nick, anybody else? Yeah, he was, he was 13 for 57 last year for 23%. Um, oh, um, Josiah. Josiah Kirk Williams. Yeah. You know, hey, maybe worked in the, lived in the gym all summer and I'm ready to go. But I, I just I just happened well, how, to be looking at we, him and I just well, remember we, that something stuck out to me. Like how much of that sometimes is I have no idea. Standing around waiting for other other options to get exhausted. Oh no, I mean seriously, it's no different than 
I mean, you look at how, again, I'm not, it's not a criticism of, I mean, it's, it's maybe a preference, but it's not a criticism. You look at uh, people playing along, you know, James Harden, people playing against alongside Luka Doncic, two very ball dominant, um, two very ball dominant players and systems that were completely, especially when, when Harden was, was at Houston, the, the entire offense, offensive identity was cycled through them, uh, making shots or making plays. And, 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 you know, in both those guys cases, a lot of dribbling out the shot clock and making, you know, making last second decisions and whether or not you're ready. I mean, Josh Richardson fall, you know, completely fell off the map playing along in that system. Um, you know, if some you're not part of well, some people would say that they, they would, they would do anything to have a player. Oh, no, no question. No question. And Barnheiser was fabulous. No, I'm not, I'm not he, being he, critical. I'm just it. saying that if you're just, if you're a player who is better with the ball or you're a player who is, um, extremely good coming off screens and hunting screens, you, that, that was not the system to play for. That was, yeah. that was not the situation where you were going to be more successful. If you're going to be involved in their, their ball screen off their ball screen action, if you're going to be the dump off guy, if you're going to be the dunker spot, then those, those are the kind of guys that are going to thrive. And that's how, you know, those are the plays Jeff made, especially against Carmel. Um, but I thought Kirk Williams looked really good with the ball in his hands. And I, I thought he was also good, you know, cause a, a part of their offense was one, was one run, one, one, one was run through Buchanan yeah. where Kirk Williams was coming off screens. And I, I think that's, they changed a little bit how they're doing things. They have to, cause they don't have Brooks anymore. Um, yeah. That's not a criticism. That's just how they played with Barnheiser and, um, Hell, that's how I, I probably would have played that way too. I may have had some more emotion, but but um, you know, there's just a lot of possessions where the ball is in Brooks's hands, and it it stayed there until you know a lot of things were exhausted. So, um, this is kind of funny, just kind of uh, along the lines of our before we get out of here. Shereen, a tweet that that Christian Nunn sent uh, Adonis House. And he said, we barely touched the court in sixth, seventh grade. And now we both have the chance to play in college. Yeah. That's a pretty cool tweet. I don't know where, if none was at Anderson. I mean, I know he's a Liberty Christian guy, but I don't know where he was in middle school. Uh, where was House? They're all, yeah, they're same. Anderson? House was, yeah, he was at Liberty Christian too. So, yep. well, Nick, I appreciate it. Um, Thanks, Jimmy come back again next week and for those that listen every week we appreciate it and for those that are listening for the first time hope you subscribe and come back or come back and subscribe in that order and uh nick again thank you for your time and we'll talk again next week you got it my man appreciate you have a good week